Welcome to episode 215 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man who is in Oakland, California today, but yesterday graced us with his presence in San Bruno, California. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Randy Michael Stan. Yes, that's me. And yesterday I did uh, wake up at 5.45 a.m., uh, but I, I came to San Bruno and watched some movies, which we will talk about on this episode, but it was good times. And also, we did not mention this on the episode, but I'll say it right now. Randy outlasted me, and I live where the same place where we <laughs> were gathering. This is true. I probably would have left the same time that you did if I didn't have a couple drinks beforehand. Randy, how much longer did you stay? Did you did you end up watching that last movie? I stayed like an extra 30 minutes or so. That's not too yeah, I tapped that around ten o'clock. It was it was too much, Miss Oxo Mix oh my god. Miss Osachi. It was too much. You were you were too inebriated. Inebriated? I had zero alcohol. With uh, marijuana edibles. I had my regular dosage of marijuana edibles. <laughs> Thank you very much, young lady. I was trying to give you an out, but all right. I this was is the most California show trip. ever. I was just Yeah, right. <laughs> I was just tired of all of your company after twelve hours. It's a very long day. <laughs> even after even after our, our little stunt that we did to scare you girls. <laughs> Jerks. I mean, you didn't scare us. We were just like, oh. By the way, I, and we explained this more in the episode, but uh, I, I had the worst position in that gathering because you had direct vision to my face when the other two, you, you saw the back of their heads. So I was really having to commit and I was having a hard time. <laughs> see you almost laugh as soon oh, as I walked it in. It was tough. It was real tough. I figured there was some kind of disclaimer saying like don't break eye contact with the screen or something before whatever that was that you were watching, but nope. So as we mentioned, uh, we will mention um, in the intro here, uh, Madeline joins us uh, for both the intro and the interview. Madeline Kessner, friend of the show, uh, we raised from the dead uh, to come from her home in Brooklyn, New York. One of the five boroughs, Randy, from what I understand. You got Brooklyn. You got Manhattan. You got Queens. You got um, <laughs> Staten Island. One. And you got... <laughs> what's the other one? I just said the other one. Randy, what am I missing? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> well, you get that other one. You got five. You put those together. What do you got? You got a fist. That is from the motion picture Gotti. And that was a monologue done by the great Stacy Keach <laughs> from a movie that no one should see. <laughs> Joining us this week on the show is the great Lauren Ashley Carter. She joins us this week from her home in jolly old England. <laughs> Um, Ashley, uh, if you've seen a movie, uh, Lauren, if you've seen a movie, uh, you've seen her in it. Um, she's, uh, she is, uh, Oksana, is it it's safe to say she's a, uh, a, a scream queen? I would, sure. Yes. We didn't really get into that with the interview. I, I hope that she would take that term as, um, as a positive one, as is certainly intended. She definitely uh, shows up in a lot of horror movies, so... We, we, we talk about all of her projects, really, and uh, Ru- Russell stuns everyone, including um, no one more than Lauren, uh, with the first film that she was featured in. Uh, you guys watched that last night, right? It's so This morning, actually. But oh, this morning. It w- it's the weirdest uh, 
hodgepodge like elements of, of things all thrown into one movie. It's um, very different from everything else I've seen her in. So stay tuned for that. It's a great interview. Um, and then we also have a talk of uh, Madeline being here and us uh, all watching, uh, including Randy, who came over to the house yesterday to take part in Nightstream Film Festival. And Madeline does a great job of explaining uh, what that is and who they are and why they did it. But before we get to all that, Oksana Valeriannamandamandaba Osachi is here to tell us about what is coming out uh, this week. So the day this episode goes up, another film festival will be happening at the Roxy's virtual screening room, I guess. Um, it's called Spookfest. Happens every October. That's a troubling name. <laughs> but this year they're doing the best of Spookfest, so the best shorts from 2017 through 2019. The full lineup isn't yet um, published, but it will be up at spookfest.org sometime this week so that's going to be running from october 15th until halloween randy what's your best shorts cargo <laughs> thank you oksana continue there is a short called cargo though oh i love it <laughs> the next day um also at the roxy they'll be kicking off their um i think you pronounce it pinksy pinksy flicks probably not but continue um which is a lineup of Filipino-American short films with an intro by former guest H.P. Mendoza. Hey, my man. He was on episode 195. Go back and listen. He's got... He's a really talented, interesting guy. Um, he'll also be moderating a Q&A on the 22nd. Um, and you can get tickets to that at the Roxy's website. This weekend is also... Um, I think the first CyberCon, Cyber edition of Sinister Creature Con, which usually happens in Sacramento twice. It's a, they do one in Sacramento and one in somewhere else around Sacramento. I can always forget. Um, they do it twice a year, um, but this time they're doing it all online. Uh, you can find the the lineup and everything at SinisterCreatureCon.com. SinisterCreatureCon.com. <laughs> or their Facebook page, which might have more details. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those to podcasts at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's none of my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hour is available on Facebook as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Twitter as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Instagram as The Overlook Theater. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy... Yeah, and if you're like me and you're feeling a little down this holiday season because of, you know, a pandemic and the news, uh, go ahead and fire up your Netflix and watch Hubie Halloween. Yes, because Adam Sandler needs another plug. For Randy Michael Stant, Russell John Fisher, Madeline Don't Know Her Middle Name Kessner, Oksana Valeria Navajo-Sachi, and Lauren Ashley Carter, I'm Clark William Little, We'll get more into that and what that means until episode 216. Have fun, lollipops.
stupid mouse hat. I wish she had told me about the super glue before I yanked it and her scalp right off of her skull. If I'm being completely honest, you came in a little too early with the light. I don't control the weather. I'm sorry. You control the board, and that controls the sound. I, I, I feel like I'm about to be fired anyway. Madeline, your thoughts? Uh, what is with your relationship with young girls, Creepy Clark? What? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do this? Girls? To your daughter? No, I'm more into more protein-based diet. <laughs> Meaning I like dicks. <laughs> I have someone to introduce you to. <laughs> yeah, we got a short film for you later we're going to cover. <laughs> All right. Since I'm being scolded and then we're not hitting cues correctly, I'm just going to leave today. I don't feel like having much fun with you guys. All right. Yeah. I, I don't like it when he leaves angry. Could you be nice <laughs> to Creepy Clark, please? He puts himself You're, out there every single week. For our listeners, that was the second take because you didn't like his incantation the first time. Yeah. I don't know. He he. I get defensive around him. It's weird. I feel like he gets better when you abuse him. <laughs> <laughs> All our talent that does. which does not kills us makes us stronger. That's the worst. That doesn't. That is. Are you saying they lied to us and steal magnolias? Uh, I will say <laughs> coronavirus didn't kill me, but my lungs hurt. <laughs> You've been here for forty-five seconds. You you leave with corona. <laughs> We can just have a coronaless episode. Yeah, we canceled our Corona podcasts. <laughs> God, do you remember that? We did like four or five of them. Uh, we did like ten. Wait, what? Yeah, we did. We did Corona bonus episodes. Did you post them? Yeah, they're up there. Oh, I someone's remember. not listening yeah, to the I, show. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I just let that linger. No, yeah. I, I listen to them more often. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. It depends on the guest. If there's no guest, fuck it. I've listened to one. Last week was a home run, except for... Now, again, I will apologize. Uh, we had a technical snafu last week as our levels were again. a little uh, Peking duck um, well, all know, over the place. If Randy would just fucking come over, who then we could the do guest? this correctly. We can get into that, but... Um, who was the guest last week? We didn't have a guest last week. Oh, that's why I didn't listen. But <laughs> no, we didn't have a guest last week, but we offended the guest that we had this week, last week. <laughs> and we resurrected a guest and to have did. her come in today. And we did. It's me. I'm dead. Well, after the show. So uh, I, I believe that we've uh, fixed everything. Randy did his uh, best to try to um, scold to me. curb uh, the. Uh, look, Russell. Have I said anything about this to you? No. <laughs> because, dude, I, I'm never going to, to poo-poo you on no, this. Because, we, I understand, dude, you, you have a lot on your shoulders nah. because Randy is scared of an invisible Chinese virus. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's karma. <laughs> because, so last week we did have a, like, interview segment at the end. But it was bonus uh, audio from when we talked to uh, the Liverpool Horror guys when they were promoting uh, Dead of Night. Yeah. And um, Zombie King got into his uh, vasectomy surgery and was talking about his gorilla balls oh, and uh, how they told him he needs to ejaculate 20 times before his next. Yeah. So that went up there. But I scrubbed that episode because Clark was peaking the whole time. He was so loud on mic. And then I turn around and I record the whole episode like that. Yeah, it's fucking karma. I get it. Randy, I love you. I just wish you would come over and see me. He did. 
He did. All he did. day yesterday. That's the surprise. Randy it was a Michael surprise. came. Now, have we been trying to get Randy Michael over here for many months? Yes, we have. Did it take Madeline coming over here to get Randy over here? Maybe it did. I don't know. I won't say. I'll let Randy speak for himself. Uh, you know what it is? You entice me with movies that I can't see myself because the last time I almost came over was for uh, some film festival. Fantasia. Yeah, and I almost did. And then, uh, you know, there decided to be a gas leak near your house. So that's not my fault. <laughs> that is true. Now, what I will say, Randy, is that what you don't know is that Russell and I, because we had the connections that we have, because we are luminaries in the film world, we got a special <laughs> director's cut of Cats. So I think you should come over for that as well. Yeah, the buttholes are still in. Yeah, you got the butthole cut? Butthole cut. <laughs> I would love to watch the Randy, no, cut. No, no, uh, no, no snot aside, uh, Cats is now on HBO Max, so <laughs> get on it. I'm canceling my subscription <laughs> now. My friend writes HBO Max's Twitter. Do you want him really? to retweet this? No, Please. we want him on the show. Hey, what's up, Twitter? <laughs> HBO Max guy. Can they follow us? Give him the follow us. I'll ask him. Yes, give him the follow us. <laughs> um, Madeline, have, are you a Jellicle? Have you seen Cats? Of course. I saw it in theaters. Is it not? Is it not great? It is an experience. Tell Randy to. I I already with- tried to talk Randy into watching Cats. Randy <laughs> only will watch movies that people aren't talking about in in that world. That yeah, that's kind of true. I also know one Frederick Wiseman happened to. He's a jellicle. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. What do you think he's watching? What do you think Frederick Wiseman, like, you know, cur- before he goes into his coffin at night? YouTube. Oh, cuties. <laughs> he's probably watching the, uh, like, three-hour-long Jean-Luc Godard live stream. He's probably not watching anything. I bet he's a Wings Hauser fan. <laughs> <laughs> I this bet- is, now I want to I find an interview where Frederick Wiseman talks about like his taste. His hate for Godard? Yes, right. I would love to watch them, like, mud wrestle. by squad. It would be great if he just like didn't watch anything. Who's older, Godard or Godard? Right, he's like one hundred and two. <sighs> How old? I think Wiseman's older by a little bit. Wiseman's ninety, right? Eighty yeah, nine. Yeah, I he's. I think so Godard's like eighty. Also, uh, you know, I've unleashed the yellow Wiseman art that I made. Yes, uh, I highly recommend people just run with that because nobody gets it. It is the most beautiful thing. It is so esoteric, as uh, Madeline has been putting it. It is our thing. Put it out there. It's going to be our Pepe. Pee-pee? It's going to be our... What did you call him? Pepe. 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 <laughs> Wiseman is uh, several months older than Godard. Look at Just a few months. That. Yeah, I don't know, man. Oh, wait. Not even. He's less than one month. Oh, my goodness. I've <laughs> been told less than 31 days, depending on the month. It was December was the month. There's 31 What does days. that make them? Godard was born in on December 3rd of 1902. Uh, wait, did I do math good? <laughs> Madeline, I'm so glad I'm sorry, that you flew all the way math. across the country so They're we could have this riveting conversation. <laughs> 11 months apart. So normally this is the point where Clark will talk about some food he ate. Do you want to go ahead and do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> they were both born in 1930. Did I have any wow. interesting food this week? I don't know. You scolded uh, us for ordering pizza last night. No, I didn't. You're like, what the fuck's wrong with you ordering That's pizza? That's not true at all. No, I just said- You I, said I some just... horrible things, Jaws. About what? <laughs> About ordering pizza. 
This is not true. At it all. was just <laughs> fucking rude. I can't believe that you're denying it on the show so people like you more. The one time where you decide to play. One time? Yes, I am. <laughs> you join him. I'm, ash- I'm ashamed of you today. Look, I always yes and Clark. I'm ashamed of you today. <laughs> no, I've been making uh, traditional Roman pasta dishes. We did eat a cake. Yeah, a cake that uh, uh, one of the former uh, rat boy engineers that you brought in here since Randy couldn't make it is he thought it was a cheesecake. Oh, he thought it was well. He was told it was a cheesecake. That, and if we're talking about Eddie the Gamer Ghoul, the guy that I live stream with every week, yeah, he's got a little bit of a doesn't want to seem dumb, and in turn always seems dumb. <laughs> Dude, it's like this is a really weird cheesecake. Where it's it's uh it's really cake. <laughs> he was like, it's really crumbly, and I'm like, what are you talking? And I look, I'm like, dude, this is a cake. Yeah, there's no cheese involved. Now, um, I do have a segue into a song about food. Can I can I start playing that? Well, clearly, since yeah. all right, uh, so it there's an embargo currently on this, so we can't say what it is. Yeah, so I'm not going to tell you what film it's from, but we just knew you would enjoy this. It'll be a reveal in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks from now, we'll talk about this movie. Okay. Here you go. All I like is cherry pie. <laughs> but tonight, oh, you will die. <laughs> Sweetness, sadness, sugar, despair. Fruit of evil, it tastes so divine. Crusts, <laughs> crimson feeling, the way your blood runs, oh so chilling. And cherry pie, the dessert for me. Uh. Begin chopping the cherry tree. <laughs> kill it, kill it, kill it. We, we still got another minute. Oh I my god. It. That Turn was lovely. Yeah. I, I have a list that I run, do on Letterboxd called Malformed, Malformed Brain Movies. Uh-huh. And it's movies that just I cannot understand how somebody like made, like who wrote, like how did this come into being? And I cannot wait to add this one to Good. it. Yeah, like um, <laughs> The Evil Within is on there. Dreamcatcher oh, yeah. is on there. Yeah. Well, this is quite the tease, being that this movie is currently on an embargo. Yeah. Well, we can play a little game. Yeah. Here, let me cut that. Um, somebody can identify the movie. Well, can you guess what the plot is about? Well, based on the cl- uh, audio clues that we got from this uh, particular <laughs> song, Cherry Pie <laughs> plays a big part. You, you were wrong. No cherry pie. If you would have guessed, so this is not this is not a documentary on warrant. No, mm. actually, um, again, not mentioning the film. Me and Madeline were were talking about it. And we're like, we think they're going for a soap opera vibe. It's very passions. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to do Twin Peaks, but Tell not at all. Them. Yeah. So if you would have guessed, um, a crazy lady working at a diner alone, taking pictures of people and then printing them out. Too much. You them. said too much. Now everyone's going to be able to identify this Nobody movie will. that is embargoed. It's Nobody embargoed. will. Nobody Honestly, will. I know it's embargoed, but like this is a, uh, a, a enthusiastic recommendation that oh, you're yeah. hearing right now. No, we're we're going to yeah. go into it more later. Yeah. Do you like that song? Well, 
I didn't like how y'all watched this without me. You me? went to bed. We told I'm you. I'm sorry that I go to bed at a normal time because I'm a good little boy. It was like 10 p.m. That is well reasonable. That's late. <laughs> I remember him being like, you're starting a movie at 1030? Ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, I agree. Well, okay, Randy, do you agree on going to bed, not watching a movie to play Madden? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, there we go. I need to wind down, and I'm trying to win the Super Bowl with the Buffalo Bills. Oof. That's not an easy That's not thing, an to easy do. thing to do. I lived in Buffalo for a little while. You know, I've yeah. taken the talent that is Josh Allen. There's a lot of potential there. He can run. He can throw. Now can he lead? Can, I, can I have sleep? to read manga before I go to bed, so I guess I understand you. Madden over manga. I'm New reading, segment on the show. I'm reading. Um, I don't see Clark. Oh, maybe he's still sleeping. <laughs> That's very good. That's what we were like the next day. That's, that, is that a tease for the next thing? Oh, it's a tease. So when we went to the motion pictures uh, last week, uh, God, two weeks ago now. I still um, haven't been to a movie theater. We saw Unhinged. <laughs> you want to go today? We'll go see Unhinged. Wait, for real? We'll go I'll today. See- we'll go today. Would you go see Unhinged again? Yeah, I lived that movie. Have, have you seen Tenet? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't seen Tenet. Well, do you want to watch Tenet? Not while I'm here. Yeah, it's too long. Yeah, exactly. I, it's a waste not, of my time. I'm not stoked on I'd that. rather take a shot in the dark on whatever else is playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, of the, one of the trailers that we saw uh, for uh, Greenland was Greenland, uh, which <gasps> is a disaster film. Oh, I can't wait for this. Uh, featuring uh, Gerard Butler, because that's all he does now. Uh-huh. He's either saving the president or running from impending doom. God, do you remember that one where Canada made a space arm and then... A space arm? Can- yeah. Canadian space arm. I'm trying to remember, it was the, the last disaster. The, the trailer is almost identical to this trailer. It was another Gerald... Bar- Ger- 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 Gerard? Gerard. <laughs> Boochler. Boochler. A disaster movie that like... It was Geostorm. Geostorm. And they got saved by the Canadian space arm. Nope, I didn't oh even know that movie God. was real. Here's the thing: was a wreck. Geostorm got made like four years before it came out. For whatever reason, I cannot do disaster movies. They're you all, freak out. Yeah. They drive me insane. They stress me out more than anything. Even San Andreas, I can't do disaster movies. GTA San Andreas. <laughs> CJ, <laughs> no, he can do that. He'll go to bed early to play GTA. That's right. Now. I don't. I don't know where we were going to go with that. I don't want to play that trailer, but I will. I do want to point out that I got some cool clips from it. So Clark, this uh, interstellar comet. We got that, and we got some of Clark's larger fragments are now expected to enter our atmosphere. Yeah, they are, sister. What is Clark in this? So Clark, hold on. Wait, no, this is a good game. Can you guess from those? I'm assuming it's an asteroid. Yeah, he's a meat eater. Uh, Let me tell you something. I'm a goddamn star. (laughs) 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 Chopsticks. Drumming with chopsticks on the table right now. So which one's your favorite? I like two. I like the sleepy one. I think it speaks most to Clark. Although I like how sexual this one is. I'll play it again for you. Some of Clark's larger fragments are now expected to enter our atmosphere. <laughs> she really sounds excited. Like that woman sounds like she's just like titillated. Look, like it's coming in my atmosphere. I do like the packaging of that one. However, I can say that none of, uh, there's no large fragments to Clark. that <laughs> have entered anything. What about on the toilet? Oh, I had a nice movement. 
why. <laughs> he likes and soon, about poop. As, and here's the thing. So Randy, go back to. Uh, so Randy joined us uh, as a part. We we all. Let me back up. So Madeline. Oh, backed you, up. Hey, it's is me, that Madeline. a poop joke? Madeline, you you came. Uh, you came in on Wednesday. I did. Leaving tomorrow, mm-hmm. and your main purpose outside of joining uh, Russell's uh, live stream. Yes. But and, you had a great time on. And talking about, you know, the future of UFF. And right in, yeah. in various business meetings that yeah. we've conducted. We've had business meetings. Uh, is that uh, you wanted to to share this film festival experience Correct. with us. Uh, tell us a little bit about what Nightstream. So the Nightstream Film Festival is happening the weekend that we are recording. Sadly, I will have ended by the time that you listen to this. But if we they, could tweet it out or if something. If they yeah. do it again, like buy a badge to Nightstream. It fucking rules. It is five film festivals. Um, genre fest uh the brooklyn horror film fest who i am a big fan of theirs i was on their jury last year for one of their like film sections and had the time of my life um great programming uh i feel like we've tapped into commercial madeline you, right yes now. you're now talking to film program i'm on i'm on okay uh popcorn frights based out of florida they are they're like the kind of fest that shows Terrifier and other like up and coming genre films that Terrifier. are gonna like define you know what is going on in in indie horror. Um, Boston Underground, which is one of the coolest underground film fests in the country, also amazing programming there. Uh, the Overlook Film Fest, which no used relation. to be called the yeah no relation used to be called the Stanley Film Fest, and I went back when it was Stanley. They do a lot of really weird immersive genre bending stuff. They're just obsessed with Kubrick, aren't they? Uh, yes. Well, mm. they used to have the Hacks. film fest in the house that the Shining Jack was built. shot in. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, and it was the Jack. best. It was so <laughs> creepy. Yeah. And they would do an immersive game. Um, so there would be actors planted throughout the film fest. And so when I got there, I was covering it as press and I made friends with a filmmaker with a short film in the festival. And like, we got drunk together. I thought he was cute. I flirted with him. Like we stayed up late. He bought me whiskey and I'm like, I'll be at your screening. And then the next day he got abducted and died by a ufo because I'm sorry, it what? turned out he was an actor and not a filmmaker <laughs> wow. this is the this is the second time that i <laughs> i tried to hook up with an actor then and, and didn't know they were in and character. B- by actor you mean like in an arg yes this was an arc yes so he was God. alternate reality gang yes good job yes Oh, good job, Clark. Um, but, she, Madeline told me that three days ago. That's why I remember. <laughs> I know. The, the fifth film fest is the North Bend Film Festival. I think that's the youngest of the five. North Bend is like, I'm pretty sure, I mean, it's in Twin Peaks country, and the whole thing feels like a film festival set in the world of Twin Peaks. They do a lot of weird stuff, too. Very cool. So five of the coolest genre fests in the country got together to do one major virtual film festival since none of them knew like what to do for sounds the like year. my favorite band the hollywood vampires <laughs> you've got do you uh, know that do you actually you've got know joe that perry you've oh got uh <laughs> captain jack sparrow <laughs> who else is in hollywood vampires i don't know here let me all right yeah alice cooper johnny depp and joe perry oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that plug. late Alice Cooper. <laughs> Nothing like okay. So he's late 18. Alice Cooper. <laughs> now, now, I know we're trying to keep it short. Again, Randy really did come over, but we decided we'd rather watch movies with him than record the show. Yes. So, again, Randy. Anyway, to close the book on the poop talk. <laughs> as, so, Randy came over. We lured him in with uh, this festival. And Madeline. Randy came in 
of course, look, Randy and I, we are kindred spirits. We're early, we're early risers. Randy was here at 10.36 a.m., yep. comes in through the kitchen, um, and then we talk, and then immediately Randy and I start talking about bowel movements, because that's just what we do. And then Madeline felt a little bit uncomfortable. I didn't like it. This is what we do, and I was just telling Randy about my very healthy chocolate brown movement. <laughs> <laughs> we milk milk chocolate. Ew. We booked our guest because we we're talking about queefs. Yes, <laughs> embrace it, Madeline. This is the most juvenile <laughs> podcast on the internet. Welcome, yeah, <laughs> welcome, Madeline. We're we just had a, a couple of hooky boys. <laughs> Anyhow, you know, <laughs> amidst all the shit talk, I, yeah. um, North Bend. No, not, yeah, no, no North do Bend not take by. it back there yet. No, I want to. We're talking about Nightstream. No, I'm. I got two things before that. Okay. We have an audience reaction to a conservative puppet bit that we did last all week. Right, that was great. All right. But also, uh, female bag? No, uh, The Three Friends is my plug another podcast segment. I heard this episode. You heard it? I heard okay, it. Okay, well, our guest might not have. Okay. Uh, they decided uh, through a tangent that they were going to replace their rating system of stars with uh, friends, <laughs> and it would be out of three friends. And uh, this little conversation happened out of it. Hey, half a Clark. Half a Clark. Half a Clark is, I'm going to tell you something, half a Clark is a full friend. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to remember. So personality in here, guys. <laughs> you guys, I'm not going to come in here and just represent one friend. That's not what I, that's, you could take that down the street. <laughs> uh, the system to a three-ring circus. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you, if you give something a Clark, it's, it's two friends already. Wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that weird little tangent. <laughs> those, are pretty accurate, those are pretty accurate uh, impressions. Alberto nailed it. Yeah. I've known you much longer. I couldn't I couldn't have done that. None of you were in that recording? That was all them? Yeah, that's yeah. just them. That's amazing. I thought Clark and Randy were there. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Do you understand what kind of influence I have as a performer? <laughs> you left an impression. Thank you. Of course. You're worth two friends. I'm an undiscovered national treasure. My joke was also that Randy that didn't has, talk in the clip. That has that milk <laughs> chocolate movements. <laughs> I got it. I appreciated it. Yeah. Now, Madeline, here's a bit you're going to hate. Oh, no. Last week, we had a. I, I was playing it as we were checking it out before. Mm-hmm. Um, did I already get rid of all the clips relating to him? I might have. There was a uh, conservative puppet who was going on about um, Rick Moranis getting punched in the face. Oh, I hate this. And uh, no, somebody reached out uh, and they're like, dude, I could one up the puppet. So they sent me over a Magog of Morskag who. Uh, this particular video is actually not going to be uh, Magog. It's going to be his skeleton puppet uh, reading fan mail they got. Here, uh, Madeline's going to fucking hate this. And uh, here we go. Here's uh, actually, uh, yeah, let's just play it. Boys used to like her and she used to have friends, but she threw it all away to be unique. There's nothing unique about a side shave and pink hair with gender pronouns in your Twitter bio. Okay, so again, that is a skeleton bird reading uh, from its cage a fan letter from uh, to a gay couple who's complaining about their intersectional daughter. <laughs> yeah, here you want some, here you want some more now, but you need it by Christmas. She now insists everyone call her by her gender neutral name. Gave herself a side shave and dyed her hair pink after we repeatedly told her not to. 
She wants us to refer to her as they and not she. Nothing will red pill a gay couple faster than having a child come out as a future lonely cat lady who hates the patriarchy. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you, you I see the look on Madeline's face. So, so uh, I have never. I hate this so fucking much. So the dude that sent it in, that. the dude that sent it in, was like, "Hey, found this on accident. I promise you, uh, this guy is much more cringy than your puppet." And you know what? He, I correct. think he's right. Correct. <laughs> correct, dude. What is the puppet's name? It's like a weak ass Edgar Allan Poe joke. Oh, I can't find it. I don't Let care. Let that fourteen-year-old girl be. Yeah. Let her be herself. Are you trying to red pill Their a gay self. couple? Fuck. <laughs> I, I, I fucked up immediately. Immediately. Randy, don't edit right. that out. We're gonna we're gonna cancel Madeline with <laughs> <No>. this episode. <laughs> I want to respect people. Anyway, anyway, uh, here I got a I got a good uh, palate cleanser after that. Like there's been. Four you can oh. forget your sins, but you can never forget. Your aquarium. <laughs> we we we've hit upon a new phenomenon. As a part of Nightstream, we discovered a new character. That character's name is Gwilliam. Uh now I, I would describe Gwilliam as a uh white Mac and me. Oh <laughs> I would describe him as Clark's inbred brother. Creepy Clark. I mean, creepy Clark. Yeah, sorry. Creepy Clark. Uh, <laughs> as a reminder, yeah. we are separate beings. Thank you so much. But your middle name is William. It's he a d- weird coincidence. He does look like Mac and me. <laughs> he, he, they have the same head shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, I will say that. And ears. Mac and me looks more like an alien, while William looks like a puppet that went wrong. William is horrifying. <laughs> William looks like a hot ghoulie. Yeah, a hot ghoulie. That's He's hot a hot ghoulie. ghoulie. <laughs> a hoolie. <laughs> so That's what they call what William does to you. Uh, William has a penchant for um, <laughs> sucking dicks. SMDs. <laughs> as we learn. You gotta link the William. Oh, um, for sure. I, yeah. So, Madeline. I know you listen regularly, unless we have a guest. Yeah. But I also do the show notes where all the fucking clips we play, they're yeah. up there and available. That's good. Gwilliam, Gwilliam is the rare short film that we can actually show you everything. Yeah. Both videos are up there. And I mean, our introduction, did you know about Gwilliam before? No, I knew Eye Slicer, but I hadn't really watched. So, um, Talk about Eye Slicer. Slicer. They're hella cool. They're a, it's, it's sort of like an underground television show. Where they collect um, surreal and weird short films, almost all American made, and like release it as as a TV show. But they did a Halloween special. Like Wonder Shows. Yeah, almost. Kinda. It's, no, wait, no, no, no. Because Wonder Shows is like a. It, it's more like um. I every, just it, like saying Wonder Shows. It's not a little kid show off the rail. It's kind of like Wonder Shows. It's it's in it's a short film collective basically. I think the but it's a TV thing show. It's if, more like Holfin, if you know what Holfin dude, is. Dude, don't know what Holfin is. Or um No Budge. These are all like um collections of short films that get released either via like a quarterly DVD um or No Budge does like a daily YouTube um short film. Uh but 
Ice Slicer is way more on the bizarro, cult, surreal side of things. Um, a lot of like experimental and art and horror, and then just William. And a lot of dick sucking. The the important uh, thing about Ice Slicer, I yeah. think, is their tone. We yes. we watch the um, Halloween special, which which it 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 uh, there's a short on there called Friday that I just I fucking loved it, and it's about Ted Bundy about him to be uh, they're going to execute him. And there's a girl taking in photographs Florida. in Florida. Yeah. And um, it's at one point it opens with the frame with the kid wearing a ghost face costume. And it's, you know, it's got these very horror heavy vibes going. And yet it's, it's kind of just a drama. And that is, at, you know, juxtaposed against Gwilliam, <laughs> which is a hot ghoulie blowing dudes. And Ice Slicer is able to connect these short films with like, avant-garde comedy yeah in a way it is so unique it's like i feel like it was made for this group here Mm -hmm. like they get it the uh super cut of the bathroom uh females (laughs) in bathtubs yeah that was great yeah it's a a short film that is basically like uh repurposed footage from like a hundred different movies of women taking baths, but it's all like the same shots and different movies repeated over and over again. And it is almost like a scene stitched together. It's so well done. I think it was called soap and water. Keeps yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like a little soap and water. And in the beginning, bit. it's a little bit more broad in the beginning. Cause there's a lot more of, um, more generic bath scenes and then it gets a little bit more narrow the longer we I go. I don't know. I think the, it, it goes more genre for sure. The, the yeah. message of the thing was just how how um, unthoughtful women characters are treated in these films and they kind of just shove them into the bath. I mean, when I first met Madeline, <laughs> she, what was the thing you used to always talk about? Blood in the bathtub? Or so, so every time it was like, oh, female filmmaker, like the image would be a naked woman in a bathtub. Like every yep. like woman directed film had to have that and then you know just because people were like women were being pigeonholed into doing oh, for sure okay know? well yeah, we yeah. saw a motion picture yesterday that had a man in the bathtub yeah, so see men are making a comeback that's all i'm saying <laughs> which film the one we're going to talk about oh i didn't know if you were segueing into that or not I am a, I'm having a hard time remembering what okay. the name of that movie is. Uh, I have them all up here. If well, you need something help. I will never love you like you've loved me oh, in okay. my life. I didn't know if we were going to go chronologically or a lot, but I, we can skip there. We'll talk, all right. But, so are we are we good with all the uh, morning zoo stuff? Yeah, it's fine. Um, so Randy did want to mention one thing before we get into what we have seen um, as a part of Night Stream Film Festival. So Randy Michael, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention a movie that I took a chance on from New York Film Festival that I super enjoyed. Uh, it's called Tragic Jungle. It's a Mexican film that uh, takes place uh, near the Rio Hondo, which is like a border between Mexico and British Honduras, um, which it used to be like British Honduras. It's now Belize, essentially. Um, and it's this movie that kind of starts with... Um, these two uh, Belizean girls on a boat. Uh, you can tell that they're kind of like on the run from somebody or something. Um, and there is this British person uh, on a different boat, kind of like chasing them down. Um, things get a little dicey and the two girls get separated. And one of them uh, ends up on the Mexican side of the Rio Hondo and kind of gets captured by um, 
the, this group of gum workers. Uh, so essentially there are these people that are like shimmying up trees, but just like one little rope, like around the tree and like their, uh, their torso. And they're like cutting like with machetes into these trees to create sort of like a, a drip of the, uh, the, like juice that comes out of the trees and then they collect it all at the bottom juice. Yeah. Uh, Apparently that's how they, they were making gum. Yeah. So that's how they were, uh, they were collecting it to make gum to export. Oh, Um, Clark was eating all weekend. Gum. (laughs) Cum or gum? Both. Cum gum. Is this a, is it mostly a drama? Like what, what um, genre? It is. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's sort of like a mix of things. So it's, um, yeah, sort of a drama, but it also gets more surreal and kind of plays with like a uh, a Mayan myth, apparently. You sold um, this? I, yeah, I, I don't want to mention the myth because it kind of like, yeah. the movie works better if you don't 100% know what's going on because I really didn't know anything. I thought the picture on New York Film Festival website looked cool and it had a cool poster. Um. And yeah, it's a. Uh, I was super into it. The cinematography, just like in this rainforest, just is beautiful. Um, a lot of really cool shots of like wildlife and stuff too. There's like some monkeys and like a tiger and stuff, and no CGI. It's all like real, real monkeys. Um, yeah, it's all real wildlife. Real, um, real monkey. Could they? I don't talk? know. It was <laughs> no. It it was super moody, like super immersive. Um, just between like all the ambient noises of like being in this rainforest and the score is really good too. It's not like overpowering. It's like pretty subtle, but it's like creepy and super moody. And I don't know. I was, uh, I super dug it and was glad I took a chance on it. Are, are you watching it in the background right now? No. Oh, I, I weird. I hear weird ambient noise from the jungle. Is it? <laughs> it sounds like talking monkeys. <laughs> now. <we're- laughs> I, I I watched like maybe five things at a New York Film Fest. I was at some of their drive-in screenings, but I did not do Tragic Jungle, and now I'm regretting it. Um, that sounds crazy. yeah, it's yeah. a tragedy. It's super rad. It looks great too. Yeah. It's uh, I would totally watch this again. So Nightstream, um, it is a four-day event. There's about forty features. Um, that's ten a day. That's ten a day, <laughs> uh, give or take like fifteen short blocks. Uh, and basically events nonstop. Um, and typically like when I do these virtual, uh, festivals, I have not found the events very interesting, but with Nightstream, when they started on Thursday, I just started watching them and I've basically (laughs) like had them going through the whole weekend. It's just been so well put together and like curated I like we're going to run out of time. The event's going to end and we will not have done everything. No, you can't. That, yeah, I mean, you get... Well, that's to the strength of the festival. Mm-hmm. We get 10 features through the badge that I purchased. How, how much was it? $90. The price was right, a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> no, $90. It was $90 for the 10 feature badge. Um, and so far, we've watched five of said features. Oh, God, you put it like that, and I feel like we're underachieving. <laughs> 35 more. <laughs> Yeah, right. You can't go too. We saw some of them out of Fantasia. Yes. At least I did. 
I'm most impressed and, by uh, their and uh, Chattanooga. Oh yeah, yeah, Chattanooga had a couple. I'm most impressed by Nightstream's eight bit room. Yes. Again, I uh Oh the Gather. Yeah. They they got like a little virtual conference space that looks kind of like a Game Boy exactly. version of Second Life. It's like you're playing Pokemon on your it's Game great. Boy. It's great. But Just... when you walk near people, it turns into video. Yeah, it was so much them? fun. The the first night. I think it was Friday night. I was like walking around in there and I happened to pass Elijah Wood and Aunt Timpson. Um, so the director and star of Come to Daddy. And they were just like hanging out and talking. And I like kind of walked past their conversation and just heard like a little snippet. But I didn't want to be rude. So I then like moved on. <laughs> and then you followed him into the bunny room. Thank you, but it felt like being <laughs> in like a space with you know the festival. Yeah. Like all the people who worked on the fest have been hanging out there. Filmmakers are there. And then just like random attendees so look at what covid has done they did a great job i fucking love this festival do you guys, do you guys know the portal what? it was a uh visual chat that i used to go on on aol i don't know that one it's no. called no. the portal god i haven't thought about it in probably 20 years now <laughs> but that shit it reminded me of it i don't know the port i know one of you motherfuckers out there was on the portal it was very <laughs> weird i did a lot of that shit on like aim yeah. Yeah, I was on a lot of message boards and I, then, <laughs> I had a Zanga. I had a Zanga. I had a Zanga a live journal, a dead journal. Uh I did what, a Pokemon. What did, RP. what did you journal about? My life. What was going on? I was depressed and I was a little golf kid in high school. What were you listening to? Fallout Boy? No, I was I <laughs> Fallout Boy came out when I was in college. Hey Clark, name a couple goth bands. I'm trying to Sure. Uh The Cure. Old <laughs> <laughs> metal. Hell yeah. <laughs> I will say I was listening to a lot of Radiohead in high school. Oh boy, a lot of Radiohead and then a lot of New Wave. Yeah. All the karma police on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, something people want to hear about. I was in a Pokemon role play on a AOL chat, and I ran a gym. Nice. It was I'm cool. sorry. I was a. I did that. Uh, I was in a charmed role play. Oh, and, that's tight. And I played a female white lighter named Katie. What does that mean? Uh, oh, so, God damn it. What's a white lighter? <laughs> so, <laughs> Is that like a dog whistle? I, What's also, going on? <laughs> I also did Buffy and I was Anya. Oh, um, fuck yeah. but I did light charms. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking that's about. That's a good show. The white lighter was their like angel fairy godmother. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So I've, it was the three witch sisters and then they had Leo who was an angel who like overlooked them and he was their white lighter. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I loved Buffy. I never got a charm. I liked any of those supernatural teen shows. Yeah. The WB yeah. dramas for that tweens. That was my yeah. shit. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. I recommend uh, you I watch Rising Rose Stars. <laughs> I also like what the direction this went. After we like <laughs> lost, internet, lost our yeah. internet for a few minutes <laughs> and our focus, so we should address that we we uh, we cut out. We lost about eight minutes after Randy talked about. They were um, gold too. Yeah, yeah we the best were eight. great flow talking about the films and Nightstream, like really <laughs> saying like in depth, um, like good reviews of movies, and now we're talking about role playing Pokemon. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. So let's go back and let's talk about Bloody Hell again. <laughs> Um, so Russ, if you could bring that up here, wherever we I lost it. What well, you've got <laughs> no less than 87 tabs. Open. Oh, it's the tab that yeah, says why, no internet. Why don't you exit yeah. out of them when you're done? Well, okay. He's Let's got, talk like, about that. Here we go. So when I'm done, look at what you've done. You know what I do? What? So, uh, I go downstairs and then I instantly start working on the, uh, show notes that I've mentioned a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I have this document over here that people are always shocked that I, uh, keep. 
which is got every say, episode. You are so organized in like so Google Sheets. Give give me a give me a topic we've talked about on the show before, or a movie. Just pick a movie. Cuties. Cuties. Okay, yeah, yeah. Pull it up. It was on you episode two hundred eight. Obsessed with cuties. Oh, I mean, it's a good movie. I'm gonna watch it. You we. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. Randy's got it on loop. In his I've house. already gone on. I've already gone on my rant this weekend about the fucking satanic panic that we're currently in, with which it's like pedo panic. Yeah, he's a pedophile. Yeah, <laughs> I think that guy was talking about Randy. Pedo he doesn't even pan. know Randy. It's fucking shitty of him. Anyway, fuck Randy. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's Put Alberto's that. line. Do you want to hear it? Okay, here we go. Fuck Randy. <laughs> All right. Clark was giving me the eyes. I could see it through his glasses. The person running the drop shouldn't say, oh, do you want to hear it? You ready? Here we go. I'm pressing the button. I'm pressing the button now. Here we go. I got another one. Dude, hey, did we get that bit where Madeline was trying to talk over the red wine? What? I don't think we were no, recording. Damn what it. was that? Okay. It, that was that was that dude you hate, Cobra. Oh, God. He, uh, instead of red rum, he uh-huh. says red wine. Yeah. Like, not as a bit. And then also room 237 is room 343. All right. Bloody Hell. Yes. Bloody Hell was the first movie that we watched at the Nightstream Film Festival. Uh, Directed by Alistair Grierson. A man with a mysterious past flees the country to escape his own personal hell, only to arrive somewhere much, much worse. Now, this movie opens up at a banking institution and a heist takes place. If you know anything about me, Clark William Little, you know <laughs> that I love a heist movie. So when Madeline was selling us movies, she mentioned the word heist. Sold. Jeez. Immediately, no bill of sale necessary. I was talking about the doorman, though. Love a heist. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, bloody hell, I knew that. Yeah, heist. there's two heist movies that, that were. Also, yeah. as you know, I was a avid subscriber to BritBox for six months. So, bloody hell. Yeah. You idiot. You know what? That movie movie started in cool guy territory, and then it took a turn on Comedy Lane, and I could not have been more out on it. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It took took 20 to 25 Mm -hmm. minutes uh, before... um, I don't... Let's tread lightly here, but uh, for a good portion of this movie... Our main character is in a very particular situation. It's the poster of the movie. I think we can. <laughs> and he's good looking also. Can I? Yeah. Looks like a young Joe Rogan. <laughs> no, he looks like a, a hunkier Mac from Always Sunny and Full. Randy, get on your Google machine and look up Ben O, comma, Tool. Wait, can I throw in what I think he looks like? Yeah. Uh, low rent Ryan Reynolds. It's a posture. Actually, no, I like that. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm Not, on board. That is young Joe Rogan. <laughs> Anyhow, he's very good in the movie. He carries the film. He's great. I, I think the first 20 minutes are a bit rough because, as I was saying earlier, it depends on us. There's like an inciting incident that kind of kicks off everything that happens, but they save it to a late movie reveal. And because they don't give you that information, it's a lot harder to get on the ride. But once the movie kind of gets where it's going, it's so much fun. Um, and, and also, it's it's got some editing and, and lighting issues. So there's a little bit of a technical hurdle to get over as a viewer. Uh, but like when it takes off, like I was in. Like it, it I, had I had a blast. Style. Yeah. And it, 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 it yeah. had a booth that uh, stopped Clark dead in his tracks. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? What a lovely booth in that I bar. <laughs> lovely booth. 
And it was like the only one. It was all wood. It was very hot. Is that a booth or are we calling that a banquette or a nook? It's your pick. It was lovely. It was lovely. I don't know. I, uh, I, I was dating this girl in San Jose and I basically kept up the relationship for a while because I loved the nook in her kitchen. God. <laughs> well, let's talk about the nook. And she would always talk about the nook. Like what? Like she she was like you're obsessed with this nook because I would always want to eat there. So she would we'd have to clean off her schoolwork. <laughs> <laughs> She's like I don't sit in here. It's like you need to appreciate this nook. That's the end of the story. Then we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, bloody hell gets a thumbs up from me. I liked it. I yeah. I, again, it's funny too. It's it yeah. it felt like a couple different movies. Yeah. Uh, but once it gets settled in to where we are, which is insane, mm-hmm. um, it, it it plays those notes very well. Yeah. And and I ha- I had a whole lot of fun with Bloody Hell because it hit that crossroads and it took to the turn less traveled by, and that is where I enjoyed. Ben O'Toole, very good. Again, now Young Joe Rogan. Do y'all think this is going to do well when it eventually hits Netflix or whatever? Yes, I think so. I'm telling you right now, this would kill in a theater. I think I do too. This would be a fun movie to watch in a theater. They need new marketing. Has it's got to change. So this movie definitely has the kind of feel of a lot of that mid 2000s like direct to DVD horror that was in English, but from another country that was just like well-produced and really sure. fun yeah. that like everybody watched. Um, yeah. I think people, yeah, I think people will dig this movie, especially horror people like captive with Alicia Cuthbert. I don't know. I was thinking more of, what was <laughs> that no one idea. with the sheep? Y'all don't know. What was that New Zealand one with the sheeps? Oh. Black sheep. Yeah. Black sheep. Black sheep is great. Totally. I feel I like they live in the same also, Bloody Hell is an Australian film. Oh. Hello, mate. Hey, all right. Hey, mate. Hey, mate. I don't think that's Australian. Hey, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, keep it going. Uh, what do we watch next? All right. After Bloody Hell. Pelican Blood. We took a nap. <laughs> and by nap, I mean we went to sleep. But actually, y'all watch stuff. We watched that Eye Slicer. Halloween special, yes. yeah. And yeah. then you left. And then I left. And then I woke up. Randy came over. Our dear, beloved engineer, friend, <laughs> confidant. He's going to cut this part. Life partner, Randy Michael Stat came over. We talked about our bowel movements. Everything's good to go. <laughs> then, finally, after Russell decides to finally come downstairs, works out Not for fair. an hour, takes a shower. He's like, what are we doing? And we're like, we've been waiting on you. And he's like, hope you've been waiting on me. It was like, we have been waiting on you. <laughs> then, <laughs> then we watched uh, the much anticipated. Frankly, this was the selling point for this festival mm-hmm. because we are all big fans of this filmmaker. Primarily, we're big fans of this filmmaker because she was on this show, <laughs> and that's how my patronage works. <laughs> Katrine Gebe, the director of Nothing Bad Can Happen, uh, her new film, which she told us about when we ha- interviewed her uh, been, in this very room last year. I've been year. dying to watch it since that moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Pelican Blood, uh, which Randy called uh, Blood Penguins. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good title. Um, Pelican Blood. A, a woman who trains police horses adopts her second child, a severely traumatized five-year-old girl. When the girl shows violent and antisocial behavior, her mother becomes determined to help her. 
This is now again. If you have not seen, don't ruin nothing. If you have not seen, nothing bad can happen. I strongly encourage you to go back and watch. Nothing bad can happen. If you want to watch Pelican Blood, because I think that will give you a good basis as to the emotional turmoil that you were going to experience <laughs> for two hours. Uh, Pelican Blood, and again, I, I, I let's tread lightly here because. Um, I, I, I definitely want people to go into this experience without knowing as little as we did in this. I would just say um, that this is a a taxing two hours. Um, it's a challenging movie. It's very good. It's fantastic. Yes. It, the performances are amazing. Even that little girl. So I, The little girl's great. It's like, honestly, best actor, actress, you know, award of the film fest. Give it to the five-year-old. And I think that we we're, we're, we would love to talk to uh, Katrine about this again because you you hear the old adage of um, two out of the three most difficult things to film are children and animals. Yeah. Yep. And this story centers around both of those things. <laughs> yeah. So she's only missing water. So if she had more water-based scenes, then she would make this the most difficult movie to make. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so seamless, and I think that um, it's both. It's both an obvious thing, but it's also brilliant for the main character uh, to train horses. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she has this uh, problematic child which she has adopted. And frankly, this, uh, you know, this, this, this story rather hit uh, close to home with me as uh, I've mentioned um, before that my sister has actually adopted a child. So I do understand uh, the challenges of that and, and bringing in a child that uh, maybe had a troubled past and, and trying to get them acquiesced into this new loving environment and trying to help them understand that oh. they're not in trouble anymore. It was a little personal. <laughs> it seemed How like you undercut? <laughs> I'm being very genuine. Did you, did you cry? Did you get a tear? I don't know if I did because I, I just had this feeling of impending doom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that now look, there are very sweet moments in this. And I, I, if I did get Misty, I think I got Misty towards the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we get don't to everything. Yet. Okay. Um, yeah. I think more than upset, it felt like there were claws in my chest. Yeah. Through this. Yeah. yeah. I, it it was difficult to breathe at yeah, times. It's uncomfortable. Wait, Madeline. Yeah. Madeline had a beautifully mean thing to say that yes. you want to say. Okay. okay, so this movie is the movie that people who watched the Babadook and thought that they were really clever for for saying that the Babadook wasn't actually the monster of the Babadook. This is the movie they pretend they want, <laughs> but will probably be too challenging. Yeah, for them, it's too yeah. nuanced. It, yeah, 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 but it it it, it kind of le- kind of lines up with the Babadook in that sense. Yeah, and that like the monster is really in the relationship between the child and the mother. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We and I, I after we watched it, we realized every fucking movie we've watched this weekend, it's toxic relationships, it's just been family, relationships. Like, yeah. yeah. That's the 2020 theme, I guess, for yeah. horror. I mean, it might yeah. have something to do with, you know, what is being made right now. And also a lot of cannibals and vampires. <laughs> None of which were present in this. No, not here. Um, I, you want to leave it at that? I, feel I like- would just say that, like, Katrine is a unbelievable talent. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, the script alone 
was the script is unfallible as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I love the script in this. And then the, the photography, it, it looked beautiful. All, the framing, the camera work. Uh, we had a fairly active camera into this and, and uh, I just, I not I distracting it. though. No, I wasn't distracted. No, by it was it. All, all very mm-hmm. um, natural. And again, you know, uh, you know, from the me, horses, here's the thing I don't normally uh, praise a movie for. But the fucking performances in here were so good. And I mean, from adults, children, and animals. And Katrine, uh, I don't know. I mean, You're- it speaks to the strength of her script. Yeah. Because she wrote a script where a five-year-old could excel. Um, I'm telling you, that, so l- that little girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and again, it's, you know. Yeah. Whew, but look, t- tread lightly. Because th- th- I'm telling well, you. Every character in this movie is both the hero and the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And at every point, you're just like, I don't know how to feel about this person. I'll tell you right now, I could never recommend this to my sister. Why? Because of the adopted kids. Nah. Well, Are you I, kidding it would be me? So <laughs> it would destroy her. Yeah, it would be yeah. so on her. It would, I, and that nah. was really the whole, I was just thinking that the whole time. Some and, people don't want to go to hell, Russell. Dude, it's rough. <laughs> I have yet to meet somebody. I was we watched this movie early so that afterwards Excellent we choice. could have some wind down because well, here's the other thing. We couldn't have been anticipating this film anymore. Like I mentioned after the podcast, we Pelican Blood. That's a great title. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. But then Madeline shows up and it's like, when are we watching Pelican Blood? Oh, rumors of Randy showing up. Well, we can't watch it without Randy. You know, well, we can't watch it right now. It's too late. And all we talked about was this movie. Yeah. And then we watched it and we we're all like, oh, man, I loved it. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna pump it up as much as we can. I'm then... still recovering. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still recovering. I held back tears. It was beautiful. I fought him. All, All right. right. Then yeah. after Pelican Blood, I believe we had a quick burrito break. Wait. Yep. Wait. No. 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 Don't look. What's the name of the movie? After the burrito break, and uh, we um, we watched a movie. You have to say the title. Yeah. The title of this movie. He's trying is... to pull it. My heart will never leave you without me wanting you to. Wait, okay. <laughs> I just pulled it up and I moved it. I think it was um, My Heart Only Beats When You Tell It To. Madeline knows it. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Okay. Word for word, you got it. Yeah. So I will say that I rated this film three stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> Also rated com? this film three stars on Letterboxd. Uh, I would also same. three stars. This title, oh, we, can all, go wait, fuck we all got itself. it. We all got three. It's a very difficult title. <laughs> the title, I, I. All right, look. <laughs> There's some great things in this movie. Like yep. the first ten minutes. Like I loved how this thing was shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great looking film. Also, was this? Did this stay in four three? Yes, it was a four. Yeah. Movie, okay. Start to finish. Um, but man, it looked great. Yeah. Um, I will say I gave it three stars because I felt it deserved three stars. I don't really like this movie. I think I actually liked it the most. I, and would, I would call it kind of boring. I, I wrote a pretty <laughs> negative review with my three star post on Letterboxd. And within 30 seconds of posting it, the director liked it. So then I went back and made it a little <laughs> less opinionated. Here's the thing. I, I would not call this boring. I, I, I liked the tone of this movie. Um, I just would have liked a little, and again, this is not a common fight that I, you know, fight, but, um, <laughs> I just wanted a little more story. Yeah. 
a Clark little more lore. story. I just a yeah. little more so story. The um the premise of the film is it's three siblings who live in a house together, and the youngest brother is uh sick. And then the two older siblings take care of him. And I feel like it's not giving anything away considering it happens in the first shot. The sickness he has is vampirism. Yeah. He's like Martin. But I, I just felt it didn't get deeper than the premise. He was a very emo vampire. Yeah. Um, He looked like tin lincecum. Wait, hold on. Name two emo bands. Two emo (laughs) bands. Here we go. (laughs) Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to illustrate he has no idea. Saving the day. The cure. (laughs) Saves the day. (laughs) Okay. The Smythes. All right. Look up look up Tim Lincecum. Dashboard Oh my God. He also looks like a Culkin. Lincecum. (laughs) He does look like a Culkin. Uh that's a baseball pitcher. He looks exactly like Tim Lincecum. Oh shit, you're right. The vampire (laughs) looks just like this baseball pitcher. (laughs) He looks exactly like Tim Lincecum. But anyhow, so the the premise of the movie is really like, what if two siblings' lives are about taking care of their their younger brother, but the sickness he has is vampirism? <laughs> and like, there's a lot you can do with that because taking care of a sick person is really hard yeah. and, and really taxing on your relationships. I just don't think it really explored its own idea. They asked so much out of Patrick Fugit's character. Yes. Where mm-hmm. it got to a point of where I just didn't believe it anymore. No, I they they asked, didn't. That us, yeah. cunt sister <laughs> asked so much of him. Yeah. Where she was literally asking him to kill people like it's nothing. Yeah. Also, and, and, and I'm not spoiling much here because we, we, we know that the Tim Lentz becomes a vampire. I also feel bad because it also feels like we just said every aspect of the plot. That's it. Yeah. And, and, but... And we all agree at this table, and Randy at his table in Oakland, California, <laughs> that one could exhume more blood from a corpse than what they did. Correct? It really seemed like they yeah. were handling there was a little dish. Very <laughs> little blood. <laughs> a very Whoopsie, high. killed a whole man, a, and all I got was yes, a pint. <laughs> a high body count yeah. for, a, for very little blood. Yeah. And then that little brat. Spills yeah. the blood because he's angry because he's Which, a little. Like, I mean, even Genesis listening to emo <laughs> vampire, and I mean, like that would have brought this movie to another level to just give us gallons of blood. Yeah, like it doesn't give us gallons of blood. Yeah. It doesn't give us any vampire lore. It doesn't give us any family lore w- within them. It really is just the events as presented, but they're not deep events. But I do like how it touches on uh, the young vampire's character of him wanting to go outside and be more social. Oh, I, I like now I want to say but stuff that that's going like to ruin it, the plot. Overall, it felt like a failed opportunity. It, it's be, oh, can I, can I say Don't, the thing I said yesterday? I, I would say this movie doesn't even have a poster yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, really, we should say this is the yeah. world premiere. Okay. Yeah. I'll say the world premiere. I have, I think lazy writing if there's like a thing and a character's like, Oh, don't do that thing. Even though it's a normal thing that people regularly do. Um, I would say just talk about it. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But then the, somebody in the movie does the thing and yeah. the worst case scenario happens. But the only reason the worst case scenario happens is because earlier in the movie, someone said, don't do the thing. Yeah. It's Chekhov's thing. Yeah. Chekhov's <laughs> thing. Chekhov, don't do Chekhov's right. thing. We, I just think that's lazy. We won't say what happened. Yeah. But there is a murder in this movie where I hope 
Well, there's a few murders. Yeah. <laughs> but the yeah. murder of a person of interest to another character. And they don't do anything. And they don't do anything. It's, that that is a, the most interesting part of the movie. Yes. And it's like, and okay, it's like, I just, it's over. It, yeah. No reaction. I had no. a hard time like rebounding after that because there's, he spends a little time, but like, we thought the movie was going to go in this whole different direction. That ends. And then we're left with, all right. I will say movie is beautiful. Looks great. Cast is good. Uh, Patrick Fugit is, is really good. Um, so it never gets boring. It simply just felt disappointing. Now I will, I will defend my uh, critique of calling it boring only because I think they did great groundwork here. It's a beautiful looking film. I like the setting. I like where they live. I like watching them play the organ and, uh, and, you know, interact in this game that we just have no idea. We're clearly the outsider and they're aware to aware of it, but there's no cracks anywhere and there's no hint that there's a bigger world. Yeah. at play mm-hmm. like for dealing with vampirism it's like are there other people like this yeah did you ever take them to the hospital and uh, like i'd like to know a little bit more and it was there's like nothing we were talking about uh we are what we are yeah and how like when you walk into the house for the first time in that movie and you see all the clocks yep we don't understand what that means but that is like a deeper level it's it's a lore that isn't explained but makes us think. Yeah, there, there's character reflected in the world they live in. And yeah. my the scene that I always think about in that movie is the tree that's concealing bones. Yeah. And, you know, the water's eroded it away and they're spilling into the water. And it's like, you know, there's a world they're living in here. Mm-hmm. And there's a lack of that in this. It's really just vampirism is a sickness. And it the felt end. like they're in small town nowhere, so nobody gives a fuck about anybody. Yeah. Now, I will say... A beautiful Chevrolet 1500 truck. You're talking about that truck. <laughs> and I'm like, that just looks like a regular truck. That's I don't a know. 1996 oh God. Chevrolet 1500 <laughs> also, in pristine condition. This is one of those films where I, you know, you look at the director and it's like, oh, it's his first feature. Mm-hmm. This guy could be making a ton of cool shit. Yeah, for down sure. The road. Yeah. And he's got four shorts under his belt. I would love to talk, like, talk to him, 100%. watch him. Yeah. Yeah. And we should also say uh, Patrick Fugit uh, was the star of the great Mark Maron-led film, Almost Famous. Oh, The Swamp Sword, <laughs> where he locked the gates. Should I have not said uh, Your best title? friend setting up Sturgis outside. Yeah. Oh, is that a motorcycle? What am I hearing? Yeah. I will also say before... We, a quave. <laughs> Go ahead, Rand. Before we move on too much, I will say that uh, it's also got some dark humor in it. There was definitely some laugh lines, um, which kind of brought a little levity to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's just the way we're talking about it makes it sound kind of like, I don't know, just dark and yeah. Well, Randy, I mean, the, the reason I think we're so critical of this movie is because it's exactly the type of movie that we all enjoy. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, dude, you're right there. Like, if we had a little bit more, mm-hmm. we we would have been sitting here talking about how much we liked it. The, the movie is just good enough yeah. that it was it it was a bummer. It didn't take it one step further. Like like you said, I would watch this director again for sure. I, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't even discourage people from watching this no. so much as go into it knowing that the story may not be fulfilling. For sure. Also, while uh, we got the motorcycle cranking in the background, which I don't even know <laughs> if it's picking up. This is the reason when we were talking yesterday about recording with Randy on the deck. Yeah. It's the first thing. I was just like, oh, no. The motorcycle. Well, dude, we we didn't mention it. And then we both were like, we should have. But like three weeks ago, we had like a a solid 10-minute 
processional. The army of motorcycles driving by our house. Yeah. You got wild hogs out there? Dude, <laughs> Randy, it was wild. It took, it was, Russ says 10. It was a solid, I'm going to say four, five minutes. And realistically, of four. Just nonstop yeah. motorcycles coming down our very small street. And none of them were hogs. <laughs> just so you know, it was not like a biker gang. It was like an art collective or something. Wild. Ice Slicer was driving by our house for 10 minutes. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, my heart will not go on the oh. Celine Dijon story. So my heart beat and so then, hard it made the car alarm start. What do we watch next, Clark? All right. This, this is what I've been waiting for. So I guess, you know, look, sometimes when you show a movie, it's not always going to hit. I think I'm the only one who uh, was on his phone the whole time. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, the feature is, as Russell is perfect timing yet again, Honeydew. Uh, strange cravings and hallucinations befall a young couple after seeking shelter in the home of an aging farmer <laughs> and her peculiar son. Who directed it? The director is Devereaux Milburn. That's the greatest name. Or the worst. <laughs> and who stars in it? Starred by... The son of one Steven Spielberg, Sawyer Spielberg. And who does he look like? He looks exactly like Heston Horwitz, star <laughs> from the Dead Dicks. of Dead Dicks. <laughs> Am I wrong? He looks very similar. No, he looks exactly like Heston. And uh, nothing against uh, Exit the Warrior today, Sawyer Spielberg. I thought he was great in the role. Yeah. I do think Heston would have been Heston better, but be I think we're just huge Heston fans. But Sawyer is good in his role. This was Sawyer's first, uh, actually, no, he was in The Post as an extra, I believe. <laughs> huh. uh, the Post is a horrible film by his father. <laughs> so, let's talk about Honeydew. Madeline, lead us off. I love Honeydew. You're an idiot. I thought this movie was fantastic. <laughs> Clark is the only person who didn't like it. So, um, I will also say that between... Heart that my skip beats. That's a different movie. The heart that my beat skipped. The beat that my heart skipped is a completely different movie. No. Uh, it's oh fuck! It, it is the most difficult title. My heart yeah. beat so hard after it made we, the car alarm start. After we watched my heart beat so hard it made a car alarm start. <laughs> I did take an, a small edible. Okay, I was wondering if you're going to bring. Also, that and then when Honeydew started, yeah. Honeydew is very pulpy and surreal. Uh, beautifully shot. But a lot of uh, atmosphere building, um, in in a very weird way. The first ten minutes of this movie feel sort of like a montage of strange, beautiful like landscapes and people moving and doing things. And some of it connects. Some of it is just to build the atmosphere and my edible was starting to kick in and I was terrified and melting <laughs> into the couch. So we had an intermission. <laughs> we had an intermission before honeydew and uh, me, Randy and Clark hung out and we watched a Stan Brackage film. Oh, yeah. We, we uh, <laughs> so I ordered a Stan Brackage collection from a uh, walmart.com <laughs> and uh, it was a criterion disc with three discs on it. And I think it was $10. I highly recommend it. Hell yeah. Anyway, um, when we threw on the first disc, it went from a black and white party scene to straight up avant-garde intercourse. No dialogue. It was no called sound. intercourse. It was called intercourse. <laughs> and uh, again, thank you to uh, the director of Velocipaster for putting us on this trail. Brendan Steer. And um, Wait, you're watching Brackage because of Velocipaster? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, that's great. If you listen <laughs> to the show. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
Now, again, we were sitting there and I we heard you pull up because clearly we hear everything in this fucking court. And I went, wouldn't it be cool if we were all just completely <laughs> silent watching this in the dark? And it it was the best. Oksana and you came in like, are they even still here? <laughs> and then you walked in and this was the first sign that I knew that that edible was hitting you. Because you, you, you sounded like you were really kind of panicking. <laughs> You're like, wait, what's going on? Why is anybody I think talking? I yelled. I, I think I, I was yelling. What are you watching? Paul Sharon's? There's like, <laughs> another like experimental filmmaker. <laughs> and then we watch Honeydew and we cut into Brian De Palma on acid doing split screen diagonally. That's yeah. cut that, to, that is this right? movie. Yeah, you it just, was cool. Brian De Palma on acid was perfect. Dude, a camera above a rotating dinner table where an old lady's cranking some churn. It's wheat. Then, then oh, Duh. Yeah. It's wheat. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I, I could see Madeline because you're sitting in front of me and you just melted into the couch. I went, oh God, it's fucking with her. <laughs> I think I texted my friend who's doing publicity for this movie. Um, they got picked up by a yellow veil. Give pictures. everybody a shout yeah. out. Uh, my friend Kayla, uh, <laughs> amazing publicist, really close buddy of mine. And she works with, she's, selective with the movie she works on and she does great work how about her men what can we get clark over there i don't know i don't know clark and kayla i like i don't i don't know anyhow so (laughs) i texted her and i'm like i took an edible Mm -hmm. and now i'm watching honeydew and i think i'm having a panic attack which i believe is what this movie is trying to do to you um (laughs) it just it gets very disjointed and you lose your sense of time, but it's because that is what is happening to the characters. For sure. Oksana yeah. leaned over and said, I don't remember how this movie started. Yeah. yeah. And there's parts that <laughs> connect, but it feels like it's connecting to a movie you watched eight hours ago. Um, yeah. The camera language even y- changes. Yeah. But I do believe it's all intentional. Oh, like, I sure. believe that was what they were trying to. Com- yeah. The camera changes in a way that makes it feel like a different, a different cinematographer took over. And a different story they're telling. And a different yeah. editor. Yeah. It, it. You were seeing naked ladies in the ceiling. I know. <laughs> I, made, yeah. I made them pause it because there was like asbestos like covering and they like made a shape like a woman's torso. I'm like, look, there's a naked lady. And because we were streaming this from a computer, yeah. you uh, outlined her nipples. and uh, I did with my mouse. <laughs> um, and yet Clark still didn't like it. And it, it also, it does get a little campy and a little grindhousey. Like it's really not pulpy. Not nearly enough. Um, just enough. It's, uh, I, I need more pulp in my juice. I'll tell you that. Look, this Homestuck. was the worst on-screen couple I have seen in quite some time. I think that is because you didn't watch the movie that we can't talk about because they it's embargo. Had oh, that's true. Uh, those couples. Terrible rapport with one. I don't know if they ever liked each other in their courtship. We No, because they were flirting with each other in the tent when they were doing the Do You Hate Me? They were a fucking... And then it turned into Weird Town, and then we get Elegy or whatever to come up in his little gator. But I also don't think that the movie was asking you to really buy in on their relationship. Like, no. it, it was almost like, but well, this is a relationship movie, that's at its end. But what the movie was asking you to do is to be invested for 90 minutes, and I couldn't do that because I didn't give a shit about the characters. Well, my useless heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Yeah. Uh, you thought they had a better relationship? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel because, like I got because more the stakes from... were higher. Okay, because they were asked because they were invested. 
So I think Honeydew is totally playing off of traditional horror movies. Though. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of like the I mean, anybody couple. Let's be real. It's a Texas chainsaw. <laughs> like, this like, is a Texas let's chainsaw. Be real. Yes. But it was boring. I was never bored. I was bored. I thought this movie ruled. It didn't do it. just didn't do anything for me. <laughs> I and, don't know. Um, it's my shit. It's my kind of weirdo. And then uh, all we will say. Yeah. Is that there is a cameo? Oh my god! And I, and I had read in I I had looked at it on Letterboxd very briefly. I didn't really want to you know read too much, but every single review said what a cameo! Like people were like crazy cameo. cameo. You will never see this cameo coming. We, it's it's again. It's I knew it was going to be a cameo where we were going to have to explain who it was to Russell, which we did. Which we did. I mean, but do I get cool you got points admit, for that? You am I actually? You're completely I, en- okay. I envy you for that yeah, because yeah. I, I wish I didn't know this person. Um, I knew immediately. <laughs> I will. I did know who it was immediately too. But, um, but Randy, did you know? I I didn't immediately, but after we made the connection, I started to see it. Yeah. I and that honestly, that was so funny. Uh, and I don't even want to say like gender or anything, like because there was. It, we eventually decided that there wasn't a cameo or we had missed the cameo <laughs> what, what, yeah. and then it happened because we were like is that is that Josh Gad <laughs> yeah that's Guillermo del Toro um again I and this may be too much but I will say oh no and again I won't reveal gender either okay but maybe their best work <laughs> and they don't say a single word <laughs> so I, I we'll leave it at right. that and also I can work. confirm their appearance does not is not listed on the international movie database. Mm-hmm. So this they're doing a good job of keeping this a secret. Don't look it up. Don't try to figure out who it is. It's in the just third act. Go just watch the movie. Oh man. Yeah. So honeydew, I'm liking it more talking about it now. Like I thought it was just a lot of don't fun. take an edible. Same. <laughs> it, was, it was too much. It was you know just what? too it, much. It, it, honestly, it may have been because it, it was just it was a long day. Yeah. It was a long day, and uh, it just it didn't. We watched two more movies yeah. after well, at ten o'clock, the, and you I checked out done. at the end of Honeydew. Wait, we yeah. watched two more movies, then I went upstairs and watched two more movies. I thought I heard something yeah. coming from upstairs, but oh. I also oh. was. I will say the last movie. Oh no, I guess it wasn't the last movie we watched. The last full feed, the last night stream movie we watched g- terrified me to the point at which I couldn't fall asleep. Are you talking outside. about Ratatouille Ilmum Hitam? Yes, I am. I'm talking about a uh, new Indonesian film penned by uh, my favorite Joko Anwar, uh, the Queen of Black Magic. I, it's very fun. <laughs> like for what it lacks in. Um, like good storytelling it makes up for in uh just fucking insanity and i love black magic movies this is a black magic movie do you want to cue it up like you did at uh oh you want me to talk about indonesia okay so (laughs) i've been a big fan of joko anwar for a really long time um i think it was like new york asian film festival in like 2013 or something maybe no it had to be even further back when did the forbidden door come out if you look at his director 2009 so it would have been like 2009 at the new york asian film festival i saw a movie called the forbidden door 
Um, and I don't think I'd ever seen an Indonesian film before. And I was obsessed with this movie. It never got distribution in the US. There are bootlegs you can find, but like almost no one has seen it. I really need to like call my friends at Shutter and be like, can you please get the Forbidden Door? Um, but ever since then, I've had my eye on this guy, Joko Anwar. He is a horror filmmaker in Indonesia, and he is really starting to to turn the Indonesian scene into something like watch Indonesian horror. It is really, what's a couple of titles that we should, uh, so into? Satan slave, uh, okay. which that was the one I got to book at puff. That's a Nick cave in the bad seed song. Okay. Um, and then he made Impedagor <laughs> and I don't know. There's a there's a, there's a bunch coming out. It, it's not hard to find them, but so my, my, my dad's girlfriend's son, Patrick did the Peace Corps and lived in Indonesia for like two years. And so what he told me is their taste in media, because they have such a rich, like, um, culture of mythology that is very horror leaning. They like horror, it, like something written by David Lynch will make more sense to them than a, a regular, like rom-com. That's cool. Um, so their taste is is very interesting. And I think a lot of that comes from their culture of death. And I don't believe the whole country is like this, but there are tribes um, and like certain towns and areas where the a funeral is basically like the American wedding. Like a wedding doesn't really matter, but your funeral is supposed to be this like uh, like thousands and thousands of dollars. I can officiate a funeral as well. With, okay, you, with you like read my mind. A parade, and you're supposed to serve like pigs and stuff. And if um, somebody dies and you can't afford the funeral, they will embalm them and keep them in their bedrooms and just say that they are sick, not dead. But they'll keep their loved ones embalmed, deceased, in their homes until they've saved up enough money to have the full funeral and then they leave the bodies in the in like scaffolding on the mountains and and so you'll see like just all of these skeletons um instead of like burying them in the ground uh but this is yeah this is indonesia and i think that carries through into a lot of their storytelling in their filmmaking. Now, I highly recommend anybody listening right now, go ahead and Google Indonesian funeral yeah. and look at the images. Yeah. I uh, mean, this is a, a, a scare warning. These are scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. It's kind of cool though. It, it, it is. I mean, it, it's fascinating. Like they embalm them and they're dead and living in the house with them. And then they put and them in a snazzy So I'm going to say yeah. that Weekend at Bernie's really hit home. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, so uh, I get it. <laughs> the Queen of Black Magic is, uh, Joko Anwar wrote it, but it was directed by uh, Kimo uh, Stambol, Nailed it. who did Headshot. He's also been making some pretty intense. You think Kimo's ever been to therapy? <laughs> 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 but he did killers. <laughs> Dread out. I like that name. That's the video game that you guys played on um, Isolation a couple weeks ago. I think Terrell was playing it. No, uh, Mystique Summers was playing oh, it. Oh, wait. Yeah. It's the game? Yeah, Dread Out is a video game and, and Kimo directed the Dread uh, Out. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? I'm 
was telling you that there's a, a bunch of Indonesian filmmakers right now who are doing some really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, so this is about a reunion at an orphanage. It sounds great. Of three guys who grew up in the orphanage and then went off and got married. And the headmaster is now sick and dying. So they're going to visit him one last time. Good, good guy. They like the headmaster. Uh, yeah, I mean, Over they're going to visit him because he's dying. Well, I don't know what their traditions are. Maybe you have to go to the funeral of people you hated. I don't know. <laughs> but um, a, uh, basically, there's a, there's a ghost. And the ghost is a woman who does black magic and horrible, horrible things start happening. And when they start happening, they happen a lot and quickly. Yeah, it's kind of like a soap opera, and things are evolving, but you don't know why. And yeah. then, yeah, then there's a ghost. There is one sequence that is probably the best scare I've seen all year. It scared the shit out of me. I could not fall asleep because I kept thinking I was going to turn and see the ghost's feet. And and we watched a palate cleanser of a yeah, film right after. I, I slept with the lights on last night. I mean, that song we played in the beginning of this episode that is the movie we watched, we watched after <laughs> this. And I still was so scared that I, but like, I've always found that like, you know, like long black hair, white skinned Asian ghost mm-hmm. that scares me. Yeah. And like, it, and also it played with like a TV and stuff. So. It played with TV and yeah. you know, the technical aspect of that scare, I don't think uh, yeah. should be but understated. There is no lack of corpses or like black magic rituals or in CGI, this. but fuck, do I want to watch the original? It's a remake of a movie that was made in 1981. Mm-hmm. And the credits show screenshots from that movie. Yeah. And, and it's like, why aren't we watching that movie? Yeah. Like I wanted to immediately watch the original but if you're a fan of the green inferno and you love that ant scene with all the cg bugs this movie has like four of those yeah it's funny they overuse cg effects but they're doing it again so rapidly and to do stuff that's so gross that i i forgave it and i'm being extra mean when uh really it's not bad there are a couple moments where you're like clearly you know i mean i would say it's very obviously cg it looks good though it doesn't look like a big budget movie it doesn't look like flubber or anything but like Clubber's what time. they what they ha- don't they lack in quality they make up for in quantity. It's a blast. There you go. Put that on the cover. How many stars? Yeah. I gave this three and a half, so seven Wait, out of ten. Hold on, let's let's do oh. the star roundabout. You want to okay. go through all of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bloody hell, Clark. I believe I rated it three point five. Madeline, three stars. Uh, Randy, he didn't I didn't see, see that one. But now you have to rate it based on what we said. Uh, I'm gonna go three. <laughs> I think that's fair. Oh, bloody hell. You know, it really boils down to would I rewatch it? I'm I'm like a three. I'll go three and a half. Fuck it. All right. Clark, Pelican Blood. Pelican Blood. I gave four and a half stars. Madeline. Four and a half stars. Uh, Randy, uh, Penguin Blood. Four. I think I'm going to give that a five. I mean, who am I kidding? You think it's perfect? I fucking loved it. Love it. Uh, it's perfect for me. You know, I'm not the god of cinema and I dare not judge another's film. And, uh. Wait, we I should have made you guess the title. <laughs> Clark, I'm, go ahead. I know what your heart did last summer. What you would you give it? Uh, I would give this. I think we already talked about it after we. Yeah, I would give this three and a half. Okay, Madeline. Uh, I want to make up a title for it, but I'm like, there's so many words. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite paragraph? Just parody that. <laughs> Call it my heart dies at the end. Okay. Um I I will say I gave it a kind three stars. 
but a more honest like would be 2.5 randy uh do you got a title for us uh no mostly because i have it up in front of me right now and i can't not see the actual title all right what about a rating uh i gave it like a three like maybe if i was doing quarters i'd go like 3.25 Oh, he liked it more. Where I think I liked it more than Clark too, but his yeah. ratings higher. <laughs> I, you know what, man? Uh, that's fair. I, I become more generous in my scales, and we'll learn that uh, when we rate the next film. But Russ tells what um, you said. My right? heart beat so hard it made the car alarm start. Yes. I would give it probably a three. three. But you know, I would I would definitely recommend it to other people. I think, and I definitely want to watch the director. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Not, sure. Nothing bad on that three. All right, Honeydew, Clark. I gave it a three. Madeline? Four out of five. Randy? Three and a half. I think I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I will watch Honeydew again. Like I that, would totally watch it again, no. too. Yeah. I like, will forget Honeydew next week. I want to watch it again. Just like the melon. This movie is the embodiment of that melon. What are you talking It's talk- present. <laughs> like, we can handle oh, it. Oh, you it's mean not like the honeydew honey melon? Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it. it's not offensive, but it's not like something you go back for. Like, it's just there. Yeah, nobody- Cantaloupe. So, this was a perfectly titled movie. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. What about Ratatouille? I am Hitami. I gave that uh, three and a half stars, although my enjoyment level was probably more like a four. Uh, Queen of Black Magic. I think I'd give it a four. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I might give it a four. I definitely want to own it. I gave it three and a half because I couldn't give it a four because I like Honeydew more. This feels like a two and a half to me. Yeah. See, I don't. You I don't. Did, <laughs> God damn it, Clark! I don't pit my movies against each other. It's I hard think, for me yeah, to, yeah. to. You it's, know, it's really just yeah. on the experience. And for a four, it's like, would I be excited to buy that? And I totally would. Yeah. This one, I see myself watching again too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wait, can I can I just mention? There's another movie at the film fest that we didn't watch that I'm obsessed with. Yeah, yeah. It's called Come True. C U M. C U M. True. Come true. <laughs> Anyhow, if if Come True plays at any uh, film fests, fantasy like, come true. I want I want you guys to see it so bad. Wait, I help, want everyone help me to watch it so I could talk about it with people. Which one is it on this list? You God. just brought up a bunch of porn on IMDb. <laughs> a dream come like, true. Fantasies come true. Matt Sizemore. Uh, fantasy Damn. come true sex motel. It's yeah. none of these. Oh, and yeah, I give come true a four out of five, four and a half out of five. Please watch come true. So we're gonna watch uh, some more movies today. Yes? Yeah, yeah, we got uh, we one want- of which. Yeah, go ahead. Is Mandibles, uh, the new film from Quentin Depew, Quentin Devereux Milburn. <laughs> um, very, very, I liked it. Very excited uh, for this. Uh, now. Am I the only one here outside of Randolph who has uh, seen uh, no, Deer Skin? I have not seen Deer Skin, no. Deer Skin's very good. I've seen a bunch of his other movies. Are you a fan of Rubber? Yes, I like <laughs> Wait a minute. Are all his rubber. movies about, like, genitals? No. He's got Rubber, <laughs> he's got Deer Foreskin, and he's got Mandibles. I really like. <laughs> I really liked Wrong. Wrong Cops? Yeah, and then there was one that he made that I didn't like. Oh, I like Reality? The Lost Dog? No, that's wrong. That is wrong. I like that's wrong. the one I really like. He, he he has a movie. It's like for your eyes only, except it's not that. That's a James Bond movie. I thought that one was bad, but it was only like sixty minutes. So, <laughs> Randy, jump in there. I know you had something. But yeah. Oh no, I was just saying. Reality is one of them. I don't think that's oh. the one you're talking about, though. No, no, no. Reality is good. I haven't uh, seen that yet, but it looks I cool. Watch anything that he makes. I, I don't care if it's good or bad. It's going to be weird. I want to see it. Very excited for Mandibles, mm-hmm. and then uh, we'll we'll try to sneak in another one or so. 
Yeah, probably uh, the boys from Country Hell. Oh, yes. We got working class vampires, yeah. baby. And then we got the doorman. Uh, and the doorman. Directed by the guy who made Versus and Midnight Me Train. Oh, yeah. Does he knock I twice? Samura. Yeah. Say, say, say again, Randy. I said, does he knock twice? Oh <laughs> Not worth it. And <laughs> starring uh, Ruby Rose. Oh, Ruby! Everyone loves the Ruby Rose. Yeah, it was supposed to be Catwoman, and then they canceled. Ruby, and then Ruby, the Ruby, last Ruby. thing we have is um, the Night. Um, I don't know what it is. It's an IFC Midnight release. I believe it's Iranian. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Well, perfect. Again, uh, Madeline, thank you for coming. Thank yeah, you for sharing. I love being here this weekend with us, Randy. Thank you so much for coming over and Just drown uh, him out. <laughs> Turn it down a little bit, please. Um, or don't. Just I, I, have, I have no control over. It. I don't know what my computer went renegade oh, there. there. We okay, um, here we go. I'll turn it down. So frustrating. <laughs> Try working with you once. So, Randy, uh, <laughs> thanks again for coming over. Yesterday we had a great time, and uh, anytime that we we find a new film festival, we'll be sure to to give you a holler. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So we will leave you now with the closing title song uh, from our guest this week, um, Ashley Lauren Carter, who joined us. Uh, this was from her first film uh, that she appeared in, Rising Stars, which Russell surprised us all, uh, none more than Ashley herself, uh, when he watched uh, this movie. And then she informed him that she, so she sung uh, the closing song in the titles, which Russell's playing now. So enjoy the interview. If you were interested in producing the Overlook <laughs> Hour, we're looking for a new producer <laughs> to play sound drops, anything like that. Uh, please send us your resume at podcast at overlooktheater.com. All right. Enjoy the interview, and we'll see you next week, babies. Yeah. Lauren, how long how long have you been in uh, the UK? I've been here about three and a half years now. Yeah. How do you like it? I love it. I really do. But I, I always have. I came over for a visit uh, in 2012, and I was mostly in the south of England. I went to Cambridge and Bath and Cornwall, and then we went to London for a few days. And it was one of those things, and, and I've honestly never felt this way since, um, mm -hmm. before or after which was I just got off the plane and um, when I, I guess not at the airport. I didn't feel that way. But once we were like out on the land, I thought, God, this place is so beautiful and I would just give anything to live here. So are you, are you in London now or are you out in the, the sprawling English countryside living, <laughs> living the cottage life? Um, I, I'm somewhat somewhere in between. I'm actually uh, near Manchester. So that's mm. in the north. Uh, I'm in a city called Stockport, which is a bit east of Manchester and in a little teeny tiny village in Stockport. And we're really close to the Peak District and Lime Hall, which is where um, Pride and Prejudice was filmed, the, uh, the BBC one. That sounds lovely. I just think, I just think England's adorable. Are you, I, I know that theater is so huge out there. Are, are you involved in like live theater at all? I'm just curious since you're in the neighborhood. 
I haven't been because, um, yeah, so I've been here three and a half years and I had my son two, almost two and a half years ago. So I, when I came over here permanently, I was pregnant. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> it's funny, like, it's really hard to get work when you're pregnant. And I've talked to other pregnant actresses about this because even for pregnant roles, they would rather hire a non-pregnant person and give them a pad than hire a pregnant person. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, you know, I was kind of looking for some things and I didn't, um, I shot two films in the beginning of my pregnancy before I was showing, which were Arctic. And, um, and I shot, uh, I was in Pollyanna's um, Darlin, just like a yeah. very brief scene um, for her. Um, yeah, but that was pretty much it. And then since I've had him, uh, yeah, he's just, it's just been really hard. I mean, he was a difficult baby. He got, he had reflux and he was sick all the time. We were in hospital a lot with him. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of finally getting my feet on the ground and I just started grad school over here at the University of Manchester so that's what I'm doing at the moment I'm now, now no offense but what kind of scripts would they be sending a uh, Lauren Ashley Carter who's pregnant I just I don't <laughs> imagine those would be the most happy films <laughs> uh, no yeah I've, I've definitely I have received films um, horror scripts and everything since I've been here but again for me it was like I can't I didn't want to leave my son um because he we were just having such a hard time um so yeah I wasn't going to fly over to America to shoot for four weeks and get paid you know uh 120 dollars a day or something oh no no I'm talking about when you were pregnant oh like, yeah you were shopping for a film just the type of horror movies you usually get casted in are not the most friendly to yeah. uh, the female character you embody and just a pregnant version of that. Yeah. I don't well, know. yeah, we were, I don't know if you've seen Arctic yet, but I have. yeah. So like that whole, I was, I think I was 12 weeks pregnant when we shot that. And um, <laughs> they were like, yeah, I That's had to do much. a lot of like jumping around and getting thrown. But honestly, at that point in time, the fetus is so tiny, you know, you're not really going to do any damage to it. But I was super sick all the time and just like literally leaning out over the side to puke every after every scene. <laughs> now, you were, you were amazing in that film. I, I didn't I didn't love the film, but I I didn't even realize it was you in it. And we were having this discussion earlier. Actually, we got into two arguments before we started recording about whether you were, you were in Darling or Darlin. <laughs> and with two different people, I got caught in the middle and everybody was just arguing and it turned out you were in both. Yeah. So we've kind of landed on, um, you're a chameleon of sorts and you embody these characters and you're always good, but you, you tend, somehow you can look different in every movie. And uh, now, now when we jump into films here, I got to bring up, I just watched last night. I didn't tell any of you, okay. but I watched the first feature she was in called uh, Rising, Rising Stars. Stars. Oh, shut your mouth. No, no. <laughs> now, no. Uh, mute his microphone. <laughs> now, Lauren, I, again, I am an overweight metalhead, so I imagine you might have a, uh, you all might think I have a particular view of the Hannah Montana age of a, uh, what, this is we're in like Joe Bro territory you, here. You are a fan of pop stardom. I am. So I when I saw there was a movie called Rising Star, which is basically about American Idol. Yeah, and uh, she's starring in it. I'm like, holy shit! I'm going to get to see her sing. 
Instead, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Although, wait, wait, wait. But did you know that I sang the credits, the end of credits song? I did not. Oh, I didn't sing it. Okay. I did. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pulling the clip for the end. Yeah, you gotta play that. <laughs> we gotta play that. <laughs> this film—that's okay with you. <laughs> this film is much more bizarre, anyway, because she actually is playing a up-and-coming director. She's an indie director who's in the other leg of the competition. So there's three people who move on to this round that are all live-performing Joe Bro, Hannah Montana pop stars. But there's also another element where it's three up-and-coming indie directors who are all children who are going to be given a chance to make a film. Now, the next round is they get randomly paired up, which isn't random because there's a big corporate edge to this and how they manipulate reality TV. But they pair them with the odd couple of the band, and they're supposed to make a music video for the band. It's fucking bizarre. It came out in 2010, and I enjoyed the hell out of it now i you know i i liked hannah montana because it's like wholesome and it's it's kind of like country stuff i didn't see a lot of that yeah this one has themes of white trash like <laughs> one of the joe bros lives in a trailer park i and, feel at home dude he gets dropped off at home and his mom's like you got to come here and fix the porta potty <laughs> and he's just like he's devastated because one of his bandmates sees it meanwhile lauren ashley carter she's playing like what like a hip indie female director who's like misunderstood and her short video has like dead birds in it yeah 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 <laughs> Dude, and, and Catherine, you- Catherine mary stewart plays my mother who's like this domineering um ugh, just a horrible person which Catherine is not she's lovely <laughs> <laughs> now how how did you end up in this film I auditioned for that. That's actually the only film I've auditioned for. <laughs> like, I mean, I think, and I, I haven't auditioned for any horror movies because, so I did Rising Stars and uh, I auditioned for that through my agent, um, Andrew Vandenhout produced it. And then while I was at lunch one day, Andrew just heard me talking about martyrs to some people, like nobody wow. had seen it. And I was just kind of, you know, going on and on about it. And Andrew's like, are you talking about martyrs? And I said, yeah. And he's like, shut up. He goes, I, I love horror movies. And so he sits down, he goes, I produce horror movies. And we just get to talking and he was saying he was working with Lucky the following year. And then I freaked out because May is one of my favorite films. And, um, He's like, yeah, we got to get you in this movie with Lucky. And, you know, I was thinking there's no, you know, people, people make a lot of promises or say things and you just learn to not listen to them and assume it's not happening. Um, but then the next year I just got a phone call and he's like, Hey, Lucky's in New York. And uh, it was when Rising Stars was actually, we were screening it. And so Lucky came to the screen. <laughs> and, then, and then we just, Oh, and then we, uh, Lucky and I went and saw the room together. There was a screening of the room <laughs> in New York and neither one of us, I think I had seen it on DVD, but he had never seen it. And so we went and um, brought our, like our brown paper bags of beer in with us and people were throwing spoons at the screen. We had no idea what was happening. Um, It's an amazing bonding experience. (laughs) I had, I had read the script and all this and we just had a really long chat. He goes, you know, so do you want to do it? Do you want to play Peggy? And I'm like, Oh yes, I like this not auditioning process. This is fantastic. And then after that, um, Chad had seen me and the woman and I think it was in uh, between me and another horror actress that um, had just had a movie out that he was thinking to play um, Ada and Jugface, and he chose me. And then from you know Jugface, then 
Yeah, basically between the woman and jug face, other horror directors had just seen me and and just, uh, yeah, just started getting some scripts. So that was pretty cool. You've never been free again. (laughs) Now, what's your view on the room? Uh, No, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Because a lot of the time, you know, we deal with indie horror. And I think there's a weird miscommunication with people who... They'll love the room. They'll see it multiple times. They'll go out to their local grocery store and buy plastic spoons and throw them. Yeah. You know, it is a real bonding experience. And then they'll walk out the door, jump on IMDb, give it one star and say it's the worst movie they've ever seen. I would never do something like that. That's despicable. But you know, there's a weird. Our culture is strange. I do listen to horror movies yeah. a lot too. We like, we had that yeah. experience with our festival all the time. Yeah, where a, a screening will kill. Yeah, and then we get the the receipts of the votes, and then two stars. Yeah, we showed this movie called The Lock In. The we all work on a festival together, mm. and The Lock In was a it was a Christian pro- propaganda film, <laughs> a, a found footage horror about some kids doing. You say propaganda? I think <laughs> they were having a nice time. <laughs> They do an overnight in their church, like a lock-in kind of sleepover. Oh, I've done one of those. I know exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One of them finds a porn magazine and then the devil wants to kill him because they looked at porn and, you know, good Uh, Christians. I brought a Dracula book to mine and then I purposefully slept (laughs) like I was in a coffin the entire night to freak out our pastor. (laughs) (laughs) See, you are the audience for the lock-in. But... (laughs) We show it to all these people and they're loving it. And then they go and they give it one star. Wow. They have the time of their lives. And then they have. I think that's because they don't, they don't understand. They've never made a film before. These are people who, who just really don't understand how this stuff works. And if they knew how harmful they were being, I don't know if they would still do it. Um, But yeah, I, I grew up watching mystery science theater 3000 with my dad. And then after that was off the air and it went into riff tracks, I think I got the riff tracks for the room and that's, like, so I watched The Room just on its own. Then the second time I watched it with Rift Tracks and I watched Cinematic Titanic. And then there was Film Crew, I think, was another spinoff of some of the Misty, Misty people. Ooh, I don't um, know. Oh, yeah, you know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was super into it. And then there was a guy, um, one of my teaching assistants for one of my history classes in college. And he was really into it. And we would literally just like go and get a room in the library and watch like, just dozens of these. So yeah, so the room is definitely my bag. Um, and it's, it's like, yeah, it's cheesy, but it's like rising stars. Like I, I would, one of my dreams is like, you know, one of like if rising stars was on one of these someday. And I think it was never, it would, it would never happen. Rising stars is good. <laughs> No, well, that's, that was the thing. They were saying that it couldn't be, you know, there's movies that are really, really bad. And, and um, I think Joel compared it to cocaine. And he goes, we didn't want the cocaine. We wanted the lidocaine, but the cocaine was cut with. Those are the movies. <laughs> and it was really super specific. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think our culture, we can't just embrace what we find entertaining. And mm-hmm. especially now, um, Madeline was talking, we were talking about it yesterday, like the death of the critic or the expert, Yeah, where now everybody is a critic. And I think the room offers a rare opportunity to just like unload. You could just shit all over that film and nobody will give you anything for it. Nobody will fight back on its behalf. And I don't, I, we watch indie horror. I, it's a bummer. So Lauren, I need your help. We got to change the culture. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot into uh, May though. You mentioned uh, you were a fan of May. Have you ever watched Roman? Yeah, of course I did. <sighs> okay, I haven't. 
we brought it up here like five times and i normally get like cool points when i bring it up and like oh roman i mean obviously you know lucky wait you keep bringing it up you've never seen it. i've never seen it It was a common theme in the show (laughs) yeah i think i made an effort one time and i was like oh i'm gonna go to amoeba i'm gonna buy it and then they didn't have it now it's just on a it's on one of my tabs open up here i've seen i mean lucky didn't direct roman no he started yeah he's in it i've seen all of his movies except the most recent um, because I'm just Angie like you know. A super fan. No, he he stars in it. Angela Bettis directed. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah Angie, but they, they were yeah. collaborating like a lot at that time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Lucky does stuff with his movies that like he gives it such a personal touch while also being like so skilled at his craft. Like I watch his movies for the soundtrack sometimes. So you're talking about River or Death Sember? Whoa, Death Sember? That's a hella cool segment. Oh, <laughs> I was singing Kindred Spirits. I didn't even know he had done another. So. Fuck. All right. Yeah, Lauren, I had to bring up Rising Stars. It was, it was so interesting. I mean, they kind of got your character right, where you're kind of like a quirky, uh, darker sensibility with a lot of talent. Well, she was actually, uh, in the original script, she was a cutter. But the oh, wow. but our um, half of the uh, investors were from a Christian film company, and and the the like the big mega star in that movie, Rebecca St. James, is actually a Christian pop singer in real life, and yeah. so they they very kindly and gently told the director that he needed to cut out the cutting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute we got a fisher stevens in this uh, yeah, yeah no. fisher and fisher won the oscar that year i think for um his uh movie about orcas oh that's oh wild. wow <laughs> <laughs> that's great no and yeah. hey you know what good call removing the cutting like if you guys would have watched that movie it would have been like i mean it would have been great for us but well i think you would have lost your pg rating for sure yeah, yeah. 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 It would have hurt the character, too, because honestly, I was tempted to pull clips of uh, monologues Lauren delivered. She's, she kind of comes in there as like, I don't know, she's going against two tropes. She's almost the one where it's like, I sit at the cafeteria alone, like nobody wants to be with me because they don't get me. But then she rolls in and she gets paired up with the Jonas Brothers group and she lays down the law. That's in right. this, like she, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue up until then. And then she tells them what's what. And it's like, oh, shit, I got your character wrong. And then if you had turned to the bathroom and went and started cutting, it wouldn't have worked. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Rising stars is out there. I know Clark has been gagging for gags. No, I mean, we got, we got to get to drug face. I know. I was like, wait, which what movie are we doing? <laughs> so uh, we had Chad on the show uh, a couple months ago uh, when we saw, uh, we were, we participated in the Chattanooga uh, film festival, which was all online and uh, we saw Chad uh, Chad's new film, uh, Dementor. There you go. And uh, have you been able to see Dementor? Lauren? I haven't, and I'm really dying to. I saw the I saw the trailer for it, and I know about the premise of it and everything, and I know his sister's in it. Um, so yeah, I really want to see it. Chad is one of the sweetest yeah. men we've ever talked to, and he makes these backwoods. <laughs> Horrifically disturbing films, and uh, De- Dementor's fantastic. Um, we we got Fessenden in that as well, uh, but with Jugface, and so I had not seen Jugface until uh, we were about to talk to Chad, and I, I figured I needed to. And my, God, I just 
You're at a loss for words. Yeah, right because now. <laughs> I, I just I feel a sh- I feel shame more than anything that I missed the boat on it. You know, seven years late. The movie's made for you. It's fantastic. Incest, swamp. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> it's everything. That part, you know, that's it. That's all he needs, really. You know, you take out the dragons. I mean, but um, yeah, just talk about um, you know, you've really sort of partner yourself with with these stars in independent horror with you know with with lucky and and with larry fessenden and and several of these so just talk about that experience of just you know having to to film a movie where you know your love interest is your blood brother and then fessenden shoots you in the head (laughs) well he doesn't shoot me in the head he he whips me and then um and then he and then i get sacrificed yeah (laughs) But, thank you but um oh yeah oh you mean oh yeah he shoots me in the head in um um uh, mind's eye that's what that's when he shoots yes, me in the head. yes yes <laughs> i'm getting all my deaths mixed up here what else has he done to you <laughs> um, no he's oh, larry is so amazing i love working with larry so i met him for the first time doing jug face and i mean he cracked me up on set because i'm really bad i if, if there's another jokester on set, like I'm doomed because I'm the same way. Um, oh my God. I can't even, he just had us in stitches. There was, a t- <laughs> Oh my God. I remember this so vividly. So there's a line that he has and he says, um, it's something along the lines of like when our, when our ancestors had the pox, uh, or something like that. And he's like, he just kept going like the old poxy poo and the poxy poxy, <laughs> the poxy woxy. And he, I don't know what it was. I think it maybe it was close to lunchtime or something. And he was just done and he just kept fucking around. And I was hysterical. I, I couldn't keep my shit together. But, um, well, but Laura, is it, isn't that sort of important to like kind of keep it light on a, a film that's, you know, pretty heavy subject matter? I, I think so. I am, um, but you never know. There are some, some people don't enjoy that. And so you kind of have to take the temperature of the room and, and I think, and Larry's really professional. And I think he obviously knew that I was, you know, a bit of a clown. Um, so he was, you know, doing that. And, but there's definitely people that don't like that. And, and I can, you know, I can, I can play cool too, man. Um, but yeah, so that was the first time I worked with him. Um, just really natural and, um, and can just like jump in and out of it. And when we were doing the scene where he was whipping me um, and with Sean Bridgers, he was, uh, he was taking it very seriously and, you know, he didn't enjoy doing it and it wasn't fun for anybody. And we, you know, we just wanted to do it right and do it well and do it fast and get it done. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then getting to work with him, he came, he drove up um, from Mind's Eye. Oh my God, we had such a terrible blizzard. <laughs> and he came up from New York to do that. It's so sweet. Um, and I think we had, uh, I think I had worked with Lucky already on Darling before that. Um, yeah, because we, I think Darling was at a festival when we were shooting the Mind's Eye. I think oh, I saw them right? both at Fantastic Fest the same year. Uh, maybe it was, oh, Pod. I think it was Pod maybe that was out when we were shooting Mind's Eye. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there were just a lot of things back to back. But yeah, again, he was, <laughs> it was so fucking cold for Mind's Eye um, and, for, and for Pod. Jesus, both of those were freezing. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that- I, when I yeah. when I was going back and looking through all your horror films, this is one of the ones I haven't seen before. Do do I got to check this one out? It's really fun. It's sort of a Cronenberg um, kind of riff. Uh, Joe Bagos makes movies that are for horror fans, and he's such a chill dude. Oh, there's the fucking blister. Yeah, actor. yeah. Sarah Dockers is like is one of Larry Fessenden's really good friends um, who plays mm-hmm. the villain in it, and so I think that's why he was uh, involved. And yeah, yeah. The soundtrack. If you like soundtracks, the Mind's Eye soundtrack is so great. Uh, the score yeah. of that film. It's it's just re- it's a really fun film. Um, although you you know you have to watch like Graham Skipper and I make our eyes as large as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you, you both have these head. like really expressive eyes. So like, what a good parent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, now through your your catalog of horror films, do you have a favorite? Oh. I well I you know I always say the woman because it was my first one and it really taught me a lot going through that process because we shot so out of order in that one and you know the stakes are pretty high in every single scene and um and it was like the first time that when I watched it back I I just, I learned a lot from watching my own performance. Like there were times when I thought, oh man, this was, you know, like the 20th time that we did this take and I was definitely fading on this. And um, just kind of a reminder to that you just got to have your energy up all the time. And it's really hard when you've done it 20 odd times (laughs) and it's, you know, like uncomfortable and uh, you know, you're on your 10th hour or something or overtime. Um, but yeah, and even, and just the relationships that I formed with people on that film, like, you know, Lucky and I are still cool. I've seen Polly a few times. Um, a lot of the crew members I worked with multiple times after that, um, I hired them for my own projects. Um, yeah, and it was just, uh, really, it just felt so much like a team and, and to be honest, most of the films that horror films that I've been on are like that. Um, you know, you don't really feel the hierarchy like you might on um, on a on a studio film or a television set. Do you, do you feel your career in horror has been like a trap, or would you like to break out of it? Or are you happy where you are? Um, no, I mean, I've never felt trapped in anything. I, uh, you know, as far as it just it was the stuff that came easy to me. You know, I just get the scripts and I do them, and I'm like, this is great, and I love doing it. Um, I auditioned for lots of other things when I was living in New York City, but it was a lot of guest roles because my biggest issue was I never found representation, agents, managers that, like, I had a great manager that I loved, like, he was a great guy, but it's about their relationship with the casting directors and also about what, how they see your career moving and, and how they picture it or what they've done before and you know, a lot of the time they'll just put you in for tons of guest roles or understudying three different characters for a Broadway show because you'll make a ton of money, but you might never go on stage. And also it's like a fucking nightmare. That's literally an actor's nightmare. It's, oh God, I have to go on stage. I don't know which part I'm playing and I haven't actually done it before. Like, what are my lines? I'm like, no, I don't want this. Like, no, absolutely not. And they don't like you saying no to things. Um, and I, like I was signed by this agency that I really liked because they were smaller and, um, you know, uh, they made it, they came across like they cared and they, they never saw, they didn't like horror movies. So they didn't watch my fucking movies. Oh, and I'm man. like, I'm your client. Like I'm actually, my movies are going to festivals. 
like people like them. The New York Times wrote about two of my films and I like and me in it and gave me a good review. Like, why won't you watch these? And I I can't even I what do you say about that? So I've just uh, my biggest downfall really has just been not getting good representation, to be honest. And then everything went to um, self-tape. And I <laughs> I think I'm terrible at doing self-tapes. <laughs> I really do. So um, like what, a, what is self-tape? I, I, I don't have a frame of reference for that. You literally have to put yourself on tape and send it places. And so I've had directors or, or like casting directors say, oh, this director wants to see you for this part. You know, a lot of like TV guest stuff. And then, so they've requested me, right? And so then I go to all this trouble, like, you know, learning the script, memorizing it, um, doing my lighting, doing my hair and makeup, making sure it's quiet, doing, you know, God knows how many tapes, maybe getting someone to come and read with me. Um, and then, and then I wouldn't hear anything. And that's one of the things I hate about this. It's just so disrespectful of our time and who we are. Like you ask for me and you can't tell me something. Like, it's not like, you know, I applied for this job on Indeed. Like you called me and I had, and it's not like I just like had to walk in an office or answer, or, you know, answer a phone. And so I think one of the hardest things about this is that it's like, we're professional interviewers. Like that's what we do for a living. And it just was getting to me. I like, I, I just felt like my brain was atrophying and I started, um, like taking Mandarin lessons when I was in New York city and doing Muay Thai and boxing and just trying to learn something. So that's why I'm going to grad school right now for linguistics. Cause I'm like, I just, I have to get out of this bubble and oh, for linguistics. What's that? Did you say linguistics? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> why? Why are you, I mean, I can barely spell it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I've always found at, uh, accents and dialects fascinating. And then I, um, I did some research for a play and worked with people that had, a, uh, have aphasia, which is a communication disorder after you've had a stroke or brain injury. So when I moved here, I found uh, a specialist charity that works with people with aphasia. Um, and obviously like my son may have a communication disorder as well. So I'm just fascinated with communication disorders. Um, and their therapies. And, uh, and I'm also kind of getting into corpus linguistics and forensic linguistics. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, we'll see. Forensic linguistics. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's really You're blowing my mind. We, we gotta, we gotta talk about some of this. How, <laughs> what made you choose Muay Thai? Um, I thought, <laughs> okay. All right. I've, well, it started with Western boxing. That's where it started. Um, because I just always wanted to be a badass, and I'm just really not. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and it was, it was like this, you know, as actors, the most interesting thing that was happening to me was the lives of the characters I was playing and my real life was just, <laughs> and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, if we only have one shot at this, you know, I've got to go live my life, man. So anyway, I just, yeah, I started boxing. I just wanted to like feel some power. And then, um, uh, I met some people like I thought Muay Thai was really cool um, just from watching films and things with it. And then I met um, this uh, girl, Rocky Harris, Raquel Harris, who's a Muay Thai fighter. And she was doing a promo with a production company that I work with. I think Natasha Kamani filmed her. And uh, yeah, we were just talking and it's just such a good workout 
for your whole body. Whereas Western boxing, you know, you're just using the top half of your body and Muay Thai was a more full workout. I also like just the, the atmosphere in a Muay Thai gym as opposed to a Western boxing gym. It's a lot like it's a lot less bro-y and oh, okay. um yeah like the boxing gym was a little bit hard um <laughs> just like the attitudes in there and like just hearing the shit guys say at the locker room talk all the time i just found it wasn't like that in muay thai there were just there were a lot more women in general um and it's yeah it's just a lot more there's more concentration i think if there's people were quiet and i don't know yeah i just i really dug it no, it's, it's a cool martial art. I think it's yeah. incredibly interesting that you chose it. Um, now, did any of this line up with Black Sight? Like, are you doing fighting? <laughs> no, I actually didn't get to do... They had real people, <laughs> like real stunt people in that. I think they were, for the most part, stunt people who were also actors. I mean, they might kick me in the face for saying that, but... I think that's kind of how it started. So they, they were all like real stunt performers and very athletic. And I auditioned for, um, <clears throat> I was auditioning for a larger role of like one of the bosses, but they still, they just thought I looked too young for it. So I have a very small part of, uh, of a, like a security person who's kind of shitty at her job. <laughs> I, it's a really small cameo. Yeah. We actually, uh, we do a live stream every week and one of our uh, reoccurring guests is a security guard who just abandons his post to come hang out. So no judgment on our end. Nice. Um, now, now, what made you start taking Mandarin? Are you just ready for the Chinese invasion? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually dating someone whose um, home language was Mandarin when they were bilingual. And so it started with that because I was, I, I just really, you get annoyed when you're dating someone and they're talking to their family and you don't understand what they're saying. And then they're just oh, laughing. I, I know how that you. is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I was like, well, I'm going to get a tutor and learn how to speak Mandarin. And I loved it. I loved it so much. It was, I love languages. And that's one of the hardest things for me. Like I, I was talking to some friends and I was like, should I, maybe I should study Mandarin again while I'm at the university. I could audit a class or maybe I should study Hebrew. And they were like, do you want to do that to yourself? <laughs> um, but I'm like, but I do. But I think, yeah, I'm going to focus on the linguistics uh, and then maybe continue my, my language studies. I just think it's really fun. Um, it's just nice to be able to gossip about people when you're sitting right next to them. <laughs> so so has the has the Mandarin stuck? Do you have to practice it? Oh yeah, I mean I think you totally have to practice it. You know, if you don't if you don't use it you lose it. That's mm. definitely tried and true unless you have a photographic memory like that bitch from the movie The Witch. <laughs> um, no, she's amazing. I mean, who who doesn't hate someone with a photographic memory? Like fuck you. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> No, it is true. My my uh, my sister and her husband adopted a child uh, two years ago from Hungary, mm -hmm. and he was four at the time and spoke zero English. Uh, within six months, uh, was speaking English very well. Remembered zero Hungarian. Wow, um, so yeah. it's it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, he dumped goes. all the Hungarian. He, he doesn't remember anything. If if you try to like they they remember some words when they had to speak to him. Yeah. He just laughs. His lack of practice. Yeah. No, just, no recollection whatsoever. Yeah. yeah well, if you're just out of it. I studied Korean for a year and learned nothing. <laughs> I have a degree in Spanish <laughs> and, uh, mi espanol es muy mal. Really? Oh my God. Oh, that's I crazy. mean, well, 
Lauren, I, I got it because uh, I had, uh, let's call it, I spent six years in undergrad, mm-hmm. and uh, this Spanish degree was the quickest way to get out. So wow. uh, I made friends, uh, we, I made amigos with my professor, <laughs> and uh, we had an agreement <laughs> that uh, I just needed this, and uh, there we go. We got it done. Yeah. But yeah, I know the language is, is, like, I'm from the South, so I have purposefully not lost my accent because I, uh, for lack of a better term, detest a sterile accent. I just, I, I just, I don't know. I think it makes me stand out, um, outside of my very odd shaped, uh, figure that I have. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that you call it sterile because, you know, to someone over here in Manchester, they think my accent is just absolutely fabulous. So it's all—it's all about uh, perception, isn't it? Um, it really is because I, I know that um, you know I, that uh, the Brits quite like the American South accent from from what I've understand and what they've told me is that it sounds you know like a cowboy or something you know exotic. Uh, where here in you know in the the Western world where you know the American South uh, is. Um, the accent is made to seem like you have a lower intelligence level. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, and here it's the opposite where people in the north are seen like that, mm-hmm. are seen as the, the working class and, and the, you know, um, yeah, they, they would give characters uh, for years accents. If you were a working class character, they'd give you a northern accent. Um, or if you were supposed to be uneducated, you'd get a northern accent or you'd get a West Country accent. Um, but you know, never the. Wait, hold on. Madeline's doing sign language over here. What's up? I have a segue. Okay. May, may I? <laughs> sure. Yeah, please. Okay. So yeah, talking please. about stop the train as we're moving along. <laughs> talking about this, like learning and and interest in like, um, like culture and all that. I want to ask about your performance in Imitation Girl, um, because like that character is the embodiment of the the curiosity of of culture, um. And so yeah. I guess I just want to, to ask about how you like brought yourself into that role. I'm also obsessed with that movie. Yeah, probably. Lauren, just a little insight. Yeah. She programmed it at one of her film fests. Well, not why only she's did dorking I, out over here. I program it. I was on the set for the effects day. Oh, that's oh, right. You snuck in there was, too. Yes. <laughs> you buried the lead. I fell in love with the movie. So I followed it to San Francisco and actually San Jose and saw it at Cinequest where I booked it through the producers like for my film festival and then you follow lauren home no and that's where we got all that photos (laughs) we don't mention cinequest but just hearing about you talking about like going back to school and learning about language like i couldn't stop thinking about you know your character and imitation girl and like her curiosity yeah absolutely i yeah i love i think well that was really a big catalyst for me which was so at the time i was learning mandarin and then i had to learn farsi for the film Um, and um, it it was, that was the thing is that I was, and this was actually in my personal statement to, for, on my application for grad school, which was, you know, you get to start getting into uh, learning things, right. Which was the Farsi and, and you feel like you're getting somewhere and then you have to put your books away and go to the script and make the movie because you don't need, I don't need to be fluent in Farsi to make this movie. I don't need to you know, know how to, I I played piano beforehand, but I didn't need to know anything except for that score that I was working on for the film. And that, you know, that sheet music that I was working with. And, and I just felt like, God, I'm only dipping my toes in something and then starting something else. And I felt like nothing was complete. Like none of my learning was complete. 
and none of my curiosity. It was only being, you know, fed little crumbs here and there to like keep me alive, but it wasn't sustaining me or satisfying me. Um, but I absolutely loved making that film. Um, and I loved having, you know, it was funny because I feel like the first part, you know, the alien, the imitation, that's kind of, you know, who I was going into and the, uh, the porn actress was who I was leaving. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, because I think, you know, the contradiction is that Juliana, the porn actress, she's, she's not curious. She's given up and she feels defeated. Um, and I think that that happens and there's a, there's, um, something about, you know, imitation being an infant and that we put so much, uh, hope into young life and infants. And, you know, we say, oh God, you know, that's when you have to learn because if you don't learn then, then you, you know, you're never going to be fluent. You're never going to have the accent or you're never going to remember that. Well, who need, no one needs to memorize things. And, and just because you learn later and you're not fluent or you're not going to master, it doesn't mean that it's not beneficial for you. And I think a lot of this language and this focus, I think, yes, we have to focus on the children, of course, but we have to focus on adults as well, because not using your brain, it, it does hurt you. We know this. We know neuroplasticity is real and that it, it, that it stays with you. It doesn't stop once you're 15 years old. It keeps going. And, and, and if you would have a, a stroke, um, we know that people that have you know, been challenging themselves and learning other languages or learning new things that are different from what they've known for their whole life, their, their brains are more neuroplastic. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm all about education and, and people getting into, into new things and learning. Um, and, and I hope that, I mean, I think imitation is kind of dark as well, right? Like, um, where Juliana comes from, but um, I hope that there's some some light to be taken from that film as well. Oh no, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I like don't want to go too deep into the ending, but I always saw that as kind of the moment that like the two characters kind of become one character. Mm, yes, uh, yeah. And like, I like thinking if somebody can be sort of, I have my past. And now I'm open to the future. And like, those are the two things that are joining. I also listening to you talk about, you know, learning and the way the brain works um, and, and bringing that to, you know, that movie. It's making me like it more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful film. And for anybody yeah. listening, I know you're all like, what the hell is Imitation Girl? Because that movie was. It's not so, a horror movie. It was so, over. Yeah. I don't uh, I mean, it's a sci-fi film. Definitely. I mean, it's sort of a a horror of identity in a sense. Yeah. It's it's existential for sure. Yeah. And I would recommend that our audience, all you beautiful people, all you smart, intelligent And ugly ones. And ugly people and dumb ones. Randy, watch (laughs) Imitation Girl. And what was funny to me is it got, um, like, any of the people that bashed it, they were comparing it to, you know, multi-million dollar films like Under the Skin or whatever. And and so a part of me was kind of happy because I'm like, oh, they really, if they're comparing us, they think that we're on that level when, like, financially (laughs) we were very much not. (laughs) And so I'm like, if they think that, you know, that really that's the thing that's holding us back is some production stuff, like, that's fine. No, that's under the skin. How the fuck? Why would you compare those two? 
People are hacks. That's what I'm talking about. Alien girl. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, one yeah. narrative similarity and people are like, these are the same. But that's yeah. such a good look at like, I don't know, like people always talk about women empowerment. I thought that was a very strong female film. Yeah. And then they, they turn and shit on it and be like, oh, under the skin's better. <laughs> it's like, I don't. We live in a clickbait society, baby. I don't mm-hmm. get it. You know, honestly, I would have never saw it if I didn't go to see uh, Madeline's Film Fest, though. Yeah. She she made it a point. Like, you need to watch this one. It was our opening night. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. <laughs> it, it killed, though. I don't know. People need to watch Imitation Girl. Randy, I know you're on this line. You're an engineer. You're a pretentious. Uh, I've seen it. Show. Oh, you've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Okay, there we go. Randy, talk more about it. <laughs> I think, I think the har- the hardest part for me in that film was honestly the piano scene, the audition scene, um, because I I I get stage fright and it only really affects my hands. <laughs> and uh, I've always been a shaker, and I'm I always tell people if I'm on stage, don't give me a prop to hold in my hands because that shit's gonna go flying. Like just wait at least five minutes into it for me to hold anything. And I remember I did a recital when I was about 15 years old and I was playing the same music that these like 10 year old kids were playing or even younger maybe. And I was just a nervous wreck and I totally bombed and I was just like crying hysterically. And my mom was like, is this what I'm paying for? Uh, (laughs) In high school, I had a similar incident. Uh, my sophomore year, I stopped playing uh, sports. I dyed my hair red, <laughs> and I uh, decided I was going to be a guitarist. Well, uh, fast forward a year, we're uh, in front of a cl- crowd, yeah, and uh, you know, I open up the song, and I, you know, I'd never even thought about stage fright. It never even crossed. Oh my shit! And then I got up there, and my hands were shaking so bad, <laughs> and I went, "What's happening?" Like yeah. I like it's it's so weird now because now I live with anxiety. He's my buddy. I go everywhere with him, <laughs> and. Uh, I met him right there in front of everybody and I fucked up the beginning. And then uh, it was one of those like movie moments where it just stops and start again. And then now I'm a famous uh, rock star. See, I have the opposite. I'm much more uh, tense when I'm not on a stage. Yeah, you really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he, so last week he officiated a wedding and for the whole month leading up to that wedding you were a fucking wreck it's everything around it once mm. once, once the, the thing is going you're in the thing it's Wait, fine you, yeah. came, you came back i'm like what's the story and you're like i don't know went fine yeah it happened <laughs> no i, 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 I can relate I, to that too because before yeah. i do shows if i'm in uh, that's why oh god theater is really tough for me like that because all i do is think about the show before the show and I'm just like dying and dying and dying. I go, I get my super like crazy shaky in the first like five minutes. It goes away. Then I'm just like rocking, feeling great the whole show. As soon as it's over, awesome. Go to bed next morning, freaking out all day, all day until it's yeah. yeah. so eight shows a week. I can't live like that. And some people don't at all. You know, they just they go to brunch. They'll have a mimosa or whatever. Or just like go do other things and don't even think about it. But it just consumes me. Does it get better with exposure though? Like the more you do it, the- I think. Yeah, I think- yeah, I think so. But it's but I think the problem with me was like because I never really used to have that issue when I was in school and college because you're just doing show after show after show after show. But then being you know a, a struggling working actor in the city, like you have a show and then you have months between, and then I do a film and then have you know months again until I don't have a show. And so you're not getting that constant exposure and it allows for that 
that yeah. creepy little demon to come back. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's repetition. And I do think though, for me, it, it has, is that you have to harness the fear in some way <laughs> where you use that as the fuel, because I, I always attributed to fear as a, a type of investment where if, if I was doing a set and uh, doing a gig and I did not have any sort of butterflies, then my, my set was typically not good. I get where, it. where yeah. if I, if I'm a little, you know, amped up and you know feeling a little bit of that anxiety i use that and i use that you know as a type of fuel so um i i think it's certainly a a, a sign of investment now before I, we yeah. get away before we get away from it the anxiety thing i just want to give a shout out to randy who i think <laughs> has us all beat uh, randy do you want to just throw in your uh, anxiety story real your quick? show ritual yeah sure uh yeah i play music um drums bass guitar um, and yeah, I've, <laughs> I've played since I was like 13 and, uh, I still have terrible anxiety before shows, uh, on occasion, I definitely get like the shaky thing, but I also, um, no, I, I, I throw up. Uh, okay. Some people poop. I get, yeah. I, yep. I had, to I get gas. I get really bad gas and I feel like I'm going to poop, but I don't. I've had I had the poops, not to make this this uh, gross, but uh, okay. I just think they're gross. It's fine. It was very common for me to be um, in the toilet right before my set, and I would hear my name called, and I would still. Be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fairly common thing where I would I would come on the stage from the bathroom. <sighs> I've seen you do stand up ten feet away from a bathroom. Oh yeah. And you used to comment on everybody going in and out. Oh, we could, uh, <laughs> dude, I can't tell you how many sets I would have where we could hear the toilets flush. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on how the show was going, I would make commentary. <laughs> I feel like I just developed a drinking habit when I was going on stage a lot <laughs> and like a bad one. So. But no pooping. I did. I did that for a while, for a little yeah. bit. And then I, it kind of got me too chilled out. And I was like, yeah. all right, I gotta stop. I just, I couldn't cope with the anxiety. So I would drink. And then mm -hmm. eventually I'm like, okay, I need to learn how to cope with this because I'm like humiliating <laughs> yeah. myself. Waking the up in the stage gutter. at the Alamo. And <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now let's uh, take poof, a poop and uh, raise you a poof. I know. <laughs> raise you a queef. As, uh, <laughs> Best segue to Gax. Go ahead, Clark. Talk about uh, the queefing. What what is this? <laughs> so, uh, Lauren, thank you so much for the uh, social media interaction. Um, we we, tr we try to get more interactive. In fact, everyone at this table, and then also wherever Randy's recording in Oakland, we all have access to the Twitter. So sometimes it's a little um, confusing as to who's going to respond back. Yet uh, underused. <laughs> Yeah, you guys were really silent, and I was like, "Ooh, I think they queefed themselves." It's a hundred percent. It was a panic queef. Um, <laughs> um, but Lauren, yeah, let, let's talk about gags here. So, Lauren, uh, just to give you a full exposure here, um, we all are involved uh, with uh, found footage in a very intimate way, uh, to where we run a found footage festival. Um, so, uh, gags had been on our radar for quite some time and, uh, we were able to, I, I was able to watch it last week. And so it, it, this is your first found footage film, right? What are, are you a fan of the subgenre? Um, okay. I am not, but the only reason is typically because 
the um, shaky camera really bothers me. Um, and I, I get like headaches and it's like, it's so hard for me to watch it. Um, so when I read the script of this though, and I saw how they were doing it in so many different ways, using different kinds of technology, I really liked that because when I first saw it was found footage, I'm like, I don't want to be in something that I don't want to watch. Um, and then I was reading it and I'm like, oh, this is really clever. Oh, I like how they've done this. And I just thought it was like, I was reading through it and like, I really liked the, um, the Alex Jones character, um, who goes out like the vigilante style guy. Um, and I was reading that and I'm like, oh yeah, I can, I can definitely dig this. And I, yeah. And I, I was a little nervous about my character because I thought she could really be seen as a bitch and I didn't want to play her too negatively. So I wanted her to have a really good relationship with her partner, even though she rags on him all the time. Cause it's like definitely, definitely a little bit, um, do you know, uh, Courtney Cox and scream. Yep. Um, and, and I wanted a little bit of that. And I thought she did such a good job of being the bitch, but also people still like her. Like she's just, she kind of like rides that line really well. Um, so I just wanted to find my own way of doing that. Um, and I thought, yeah, that I just, um, I just kind of like, you know, I think typically you see that kind of relationship with, with a, a man and like his camera guy. Uh, you know the the newscast guy that's that's on screen, and so yeah, I just wanted her to be a little bit egotistical and um, definitely laughability, no, and and trying to keep up with with the guys. You definitely nailed that tone of a a very ambitious uh, small market news reporter who, and you know, I I majored in broadcast journalism and so I had done news <laughs> magazine shows. I know the type, Lauren. I know yeah. the type. You nailed it. So because it's always it's always the next big story to get them out of whatever shithole market they're in. So they can get, you know, something more substantial. So it's it's yeah. a constant, you know, hunger. And uh, you definitely got got the uh, you know the tone of, of that reporter. And there were and in the script they she does call him a pussy a couple times. And for <laughs> me, I thought that like initially, I it made me go, uh, you know, I had like a reflex kick in. But I yeah, thought, but I was like, no. right, if we're gonna do this, like we're either going to go, we have to go all the way with it, and she's got to just be relentless. Or now, Lauren, we need to go. I want to. I want to stop you there because mm-hmm. you're, you're. Now we deal with found footage horror all the time, and this is one of the tropes that a lot of people don't talk about, and it's a relic from the Blair Witch. Heather was an incredibly big personality who kind of drove the chaos in that film, mm-hmm. and now we always see relationships, whether it be in like wreck or a webcast, and it's it's always a female host with a male cameraman. And it's it's usually a dynamic that isn't that rewarding. And as a um, non-fan of found footage horror, I thought this would be a good way to, to pitch one to you. Our buddy Paul McGee made a film called Webcast, and it features a girl and a dude duo. And it's similar thing. The girl's in front of the camera most of the time and the guy's behind it. And it's a more... Um, the, the film really flourishes with that relationship. And... I I really want to pitch found footage to you as a genre. You're such a thoughtful actress that I think it could benefit a lot from that. 
because what we what we normally talk about is you know with gags the clown we're dealing with a ton of different multimedia mm-hmm. we've got alex jones live streaming we have news broadcasters uh with you know a traditional setup body cams and we have body cams and it's this kind of mixed media collage you get and i think there's a lot we can do with you know narrative storytelling here that people just can't see past the blair witch or uh What's another big paranormal paranormal activity Mm -hmm. and they get kind of like pigeon held. So I think we need to take some of your audition footage. (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) (laughs) There's really a lot. I mean, I think it's a very, it's a very thoughtful genre that um, the horror community, much like critics with horror films, they just, they shit on it. They see open rain. And I imagine when you put a clown in a found footage horror movie that a lot of the reviews probably aren't even reflecting a viewing. How, how, how was gags the clown received? Uh, you know, God, I honestly, I, I'm really weird with reviews. Like, unless someone shoves it in my face, <laughs> I yeah. usually don't like, I heard a lot about imitation girl because I was also producing that as well. And I like lived with these people and they're like my best friends. So I'm going to hear about it. But, um, I remember though. Um, so the screening is what I got the information from. And that's when, um, they like gave me all the tallies of everyone's favorite lines and parts. And the queef was like number one, uh, <laughs> for everyone. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, the, the audiences gave it a pretty good score, uh, I'd say. And I think any of the things I read, they were like decent. I think everyone felt like there were strong points and weak points in the film. Um, you know, it was, it wasn't totally balanced, I think is mostly what I, what I read. Now it's weird and found footage. You're not going to get even handed reviews from pretty much anybody you kind of got to end up on like reddit or even in amazon prime comments fans yeah Mm -hmm. you got to find the the group and the thing is i mean we started our film fest trying to bring these people together because they're disjointed they're at home they're watching um unfriended on their laptop like this isn't a theater going crowd and uh i i i want to see you in more found footage (laughs) 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 so I, i hope you walked away from that with a positive um view yeah yeah no i mean i had like as far as the crew goes those guys were amazing they were really 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 good they were really put together and really um yeah i really like those guys um but yeah i mean like i said for me is if i'll watch it then well it's like i've got to want to watch the film Uh, i have to like the script i also have to feel like i've not done a character before um, I don't like to do repeats of anything. It's just, it's not fun for me to be honest. And, and I think, you know, like you were talking about the whole chameleon thing. I, I think people expect me to do different things now when they see me. Um, I, I mean, I was talking to Madeline about imitation girl before we started recording. I didn't know you were in that. Yeah. I was like, I thought the lead performance was amazing. And then she's like, dude, that was her. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't, I'm, I'm not joking. I am a, I'm taken aback. You're you're an extreme talent, and that's why I uh, asked you the trap question about horror movies, where it's kind of like, do you get like a barrage of like, oh, gags the clown? This is a clown found footage film on Amazon Prime. Clearly, there's nothing worth watching here. Yet, you know, you're learning Farsi to do Imitation Girl. Mm-hmm. It's like clearly you're you're in a league of your own. Yeah, there's not really a question there. 
<laughs> well, how's this? How's this? Classic Russell. Let's write a found footage horror movie where the camera person gets a steady cam in the first couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and Pitch, we'll well, pitch I mean, so the found footage umbrella. I mean, it includes things like what we do in the shadows. Faux documentary is a big part of it. Oh yeah, like mockumentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, you know, honestly, I think a lot of uh, the genre has really moved away from shaky cam because of that exact critique. Mm-hmm. I uh, we can't because you can't. I mean, I think that it works for a while. You've got. It's just like screaming in a film. There's a film that I was in, right? And I had to scream a lot. And I told the director, I don't think this is good. We need to shake this up. And so he let me do my own versions. And then he never took any of them. And he did his own edit. And one of my, one of the, you know, biggest cringy things from any of the fans was like that I screamed too much. And I'm like, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Please, I tried. I really tried. Um, But yeah, I think it's the the same thing. it rhymes with spod. You don't have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but with the like, I think shaky camera, right? It's like you can do it, but you've got a limited time. Or like strobe lights and anything like that also kills me because I have you know a little bit of a seizure disorder and like I just don't want to tempt fate. So anything with lots of flashing lights for a long time, I can't watch it. Um, it, yeah, I, it's also I, a weak narrative device well, because a lot of the time they're just, you know, chewing up time or trying to make the audience disoriented. Yeah, don't tell Gasper no that. The most, <laughs> the most interesting thing about that story, to me at least, is then you guys work together on another film, and I feel like it's the opposite, where like your emotional levels are used so skillfully. Yeah, I. I just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was that was a bit different as well because then I was I was a little bit more in charge during that film. That's really. I mean, I would say that then as like you know collaborators, you guys grew together. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now in gags, was there a lot of room for improv, or did you have a fully formed script? No, no. So yeah, most of my stuff, like a lot of my stuff, was improv. Um, My like. Oh, my phone call, the whole Ed Gein motherfucker. That was my line. Nope. Um, the line about the girl with her hair. That was all my stuff. Um, I just kind of, cause her hair was so long and I was like, we have to talk about this hair. And it just became <laughs> like, it, like I think the whole thing with my character in that film is that she's just, she just goes for the low blows, the easy stuff. That's cause she's just pissy, you know? So she's not going to like, be creative in her digs with people. She's kind of like fed up. She's probably, you know, she's like basically one warning away from being fired all the time, every day. So, um, um yeah, I would have followed you on Instagram. She would have a hell of a social media. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but Wyatt, who played the camera guy, he fed me a lot as well. So, like anything that he did a lot of improv before. Um, so, anything that I would kind of riff on, I think he made so much better with his reactions. He was just always there for me and supporting me. So you're very comfortable with the improvisation? Like, is, is that typically, you know, what you bring to a lot of the roles or it just so happened to be with this particular project? Well, I think with, with comedy, for sure. Um, with, with drama stuff, it's a little bit harder for me because I tend to go towards, um, I'm le- less speaking in, in drama and more serious projects than more speaking. 
Um, because I think especially when you get afraid, um, for me at least, I'm more likely to clam up and say less um, because you've got all that anxiety going on and it's, and it's difficult to find your words and to even articulate, unless that's your character, of course. But I've really never played a character that's been in the horror movies that's been overly articulate, right? Like Ada, um, darling, she had gone through you know, uh, a traumatic experience, um, the mind's eye, she was, you know, kept a prisoner in this place. Um, so I think I was a, a little bit more prone to actually cut lines in things in horror films to say, right, we don't need to say this. I think we can show this, um, instead, but so the gags was a really good opportunity for me to, to actually add lines, um, and do improv. And I love comedy. I absolutely love it. And I wish that I could do more of it. Horror comedy is, would be, uh, I'd love to do more of that. Um, that's one of my favorite genres for sure. I, I'll tell you, it needs you because I am not a fan of horror comedy. Really? I, oh. oh my God. You've gotten a little better. You, you, okay. I, I was not uh, a comedy fan in general. Actually, you know what? I was going to save it for the intro, but you know what else I watched last night? Oh, boy. I watched Hubby Halloween. Hubby. Oh, <laughs> Hubie. Isn't it Hubie? Oh, it yeah. It's Hubie. It's okay. Hubie. Okay. Now, I didn't want to watch it because I thought it was Hubby. And I'm like, oh, it's another romantic comedy. God. I watched Hubie. Hell yeah. You know what, friend? You need to get more into the linguistics game. <laughs> Mark, can you help Russell out because he can't pronounce words I or I can't spelling. even talk. <laughs> hey, I, don't know. I mean... That's that, maybe that's the, that's a fault of uh, of of the of how they wrote it. Actually, you know, I wouldn't blame you. See, in linguistics, we don't blame people. Okay, I blame oh. I blame the public <laughs> education system of California. Is who I blame? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think hubby is. I I could see that. I could see where you got that from. Did Did you see a hubby Halloween, Lauren? <laughs> Look at what you've done. <laughs> uh, no, no, I have not. Um, nope, nope, haven't done it. She's learning Mandarin. She's not watching fucking Adam Sandler. Dwebuchi. I'm sorry, Dwebuchi. Cheshire. See, I spent two weeks in China. I know things. All right. Uh, so, uh, Lauren, before we cut you loose, um, is there any? Is there any like genre you haven't really done any sort of projects that you, 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 you want to complete? Like it, you know, your lifelong goal is to work in a Western or something. Yeah. <laughs> a Western musical. Oh, <laughs> Lemonade Joe. Good film. <laughs> there you go. Um, 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 um. Uh, or anybody you want to work with? Well, like I said, I really, I would love to do more comedy. I really enjoy doing that. Um, and um, I, I still, I love being the baddie. You know, I haven't really had many opportunities to be the bad guy. I got a little bit in Darling. I'm kind of on the borderline in Arctic. I got some moments there. Um, but By I, by the way, yeah. you were terrifying in Darling. I just want to put that out. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I would love. I would really love to to do a movie where I'm just yeah purely evil, like Inside or something, you know. Yeah, Dar Darling made me feel good um, as a single man. Made me feel good that we're still in quarantine uh, because <laughs> the thought of having to go and and talk to women and then them bringing me back to the house and murdering me. So yeah, I mean, I'm turning a new. Even for murder, you're not getting that invite. Let me tell you something. No. I'm very charismatic. <laughs> 
because you know, listen, listen. Women always think to the end of things, and and it always for me where it stops is like cleaning up that mess. Oh my god, like ugh, blood is so messy. Tender, a scary place. That's um, all I'll say. Didn't you used to have a bit where you would kill yourself and leave a note? Oh yeah, about the cleanup. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, if you're gonna kill yourself, <laughs> like be nice about it. <laughs> I always felt like the shotgun in the bathtub. That's a that's an asshole move. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, well, I don't know. In the bathtub, I get what they're trying to do there, right? Like you've got the shower hose here. Yeah, it's, right? it's all self-contained. <laughs> like yeah. if, if you're gonna shoot yourself in the face, do it in the bathtub. Right. Close curtains. Or in the yard. You know, the yard. The yeah, up. that's actually actually that's much better. Yeah, the yeah. bathroom's kind of a dick move. You're right. Well, Art, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This was a hoot. Uh, Can you tell us um, anything you got uh, coming out soon here? Um, Hopefully a master's degree. Uh, (laughs) That's where I'm going right now. Uh, But no, no, nothing, nothing on the, um, on the burners at the moment. Um, But yeah, there'll be something again and I'll, I'll let you know. Perfect. Again, this was uh, this is absolute pleasure, and uh, we we were greatly looking forward uh, to talking to you. And I think we did. Thank you. Now, now, what's your favorite social media too? People need to interact with uh, actresses and keep them going. Well, I'll tell you what. So I've got ugh, the social media thing is like a podcast for another day. But because I had a, a stalker situation years ago that was really okay, wait, hold on oh, the wow. line. Yeah, and it wasn't Madeline. <laughs> 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 No, I'm no. Professional, thank you. Okay. <laughs> no, it was like a whole other thing. And I ended up getting off of everything. And then I was actually really relieved to have got, you know, to have left. And Facebook was like the big one. And then, um, so I got back on and I was on Twitter and I was on Instagram. And then I just, you know, I followed lots of people that followed me. And then I would just get like a handful of people who would be like, hey. And I'm like, hi, how are you? Fine. And then like, then they'd keep going and keep going. It's like, I can't do this all day. Like, I don't do this with my friends. And then it'd be like, oh, can you wish me happy birthday? It's like, happy birthday. Well, how are you? I haven't heard from you. It's like, cause I don't fucking know you, man. (laughs) Or, you know, and it's like, there's even some people that I have actually become friends with people um, from social media and even people that were fans, like I've become really good friends with because I'm a fan too. I've always said that, like, I'm a movie fan. I'm a horror fan. I'm a TV fan. Like I'm, you know, I'm somebody, but I'm nobody. It's like, it's cool. Um, but there's just some people that are just so demanding and, and always men. I did get like, like, but to be honest, my, my stalker was a woman and I've had some creepy women, but in general, it was the men yeah, that women. were just very demanding. <laughs> and every time I would log on, there'd be like a message waiting for me or there'd be notification. And I'm like, this isn't from somebody that I like. Um, and yeah, it just got to the point where like the, bad was outweighing the good but i keep staying on because you know i have met really good people on and uh but finally it just got to the point where i just wanted to start fresh so i got rid of everything again um and now i'm on twitter um at davison lac so davison is my married name and then lac obviously lauren ashley carter and i still go by lauren ashley carter for um creative purposes and projects 
Um, so yeah, you can see me on Twitter and I am interacting. If I don't follow you back, it's just because I've been burned, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. no fuck that. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. that you had that experience. Yeah. I mean, no one should have to go through that, but you know, women on the internet, it's the worst in our culture. So yeah. And yeah, also I it's like, I was being nice. Like I was saying hi. It's not like I was never saying hi. I definitely say hi. Yeah. I don't like monopolize my time like that and just keep going yeah, and make me feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah. They start weird parasocial relationships and they think you're actually their friend. It's you no, know, it's an advertising tool. Like, you know, that's what it was created to be. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe we would be friends forward. and like, maybe we would be friends if you just be fucking cool. You yeah, know, yeah. if ever, yeah, if you were exactly just be fucking normal. If you just said hi to me every once in a while and I'm like, hi, and then we have nothing to say, right. Then fine. like we'd catch up too. I would catch up with these people and tell them things about my life. And then it's like, okay, like we're done now. I've told you, I literally don't have anything else to tell you, but that's just how I am too. You know, I'm very, like, I spend a lot of time by myself. I spend, you know, I do go out every once in a while, but I'm not, you know, I'm not out and about all the time. Um, and they're not showing the room every night. Yeah. And then it's like, and if you would have been cool, then maybe, you know, like at some point, and we were at the same thing. Hey, I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. Yeah, let's get a drink. Cool. Like, I've totally done that with people. But if you, if you cross that, like, I've got spider senses, man, and they're, <laughs> and they're fine tuned, and I will cut, 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 and I will not feel bad about it. Now, Lauren, have you ever seen Cam? Yeah. Oh, Cam is so good. Cam is really I, I feel like that it, it, Cam needs more attention because I feel like it's about that. Like mm. it's like be on the internet, but don't be you. Like don't give everybody <laughs> your personal you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't know it. It's a bummer. I, I'll tell you as a man, the internet's very boring. Nobody wants to talk to any of us. Mm. And uh, the end. Nobody says hi to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get DMs with hello in there because you're scary. I know. I had a, I'm kind of boring. I had a tweet go viral that was a love life joke, and then I started getting a bunch of DMs about my love life. Of from course, people. it was horrible. What was the What was the tweet? It was um oh my god it was a it was a screenshot of my friend trying to set me up with a guy named Hambone, <laughs> and and I asked you know what if he was a dog, and he's like no he's a Bigfoot hunter, and so I shared the screenshot. In, uh, What's the issue here? The the uh, the, the, the you know the sub title like my text was like you know my love life has got so bad that people are trying to set me up with bigfoot hunters <laughs> now we do have an opening in two weeks so is, <laughs> is ham bone available the worst part was this was a real person in my neighborhood oh. who hung out at a bar i liked no and, they sent, and i and they sent me a picture of him so i was able to identify Thank him god and then I had a tweet go super viral. It was like 20,000 retweets. Oh, I'm sorry. Did he look cool? <gasps> no, he looked like a dork. Wait, you, uh, so you've never lived in Willow Creek. Where the fuck was this Bigfoot hunter? New Jersey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, Lauren, Wait, we so just got a new movie Jersey we want to cast you for. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I actually, um, I just did a voiceover for um, Small Town Monsters. They're actually from my town uh, in Ohio. And they do these... Um, oh, sh- do you know about small town monsters? Yeah. What is it? I don't. Okay. Yeah, small town monsters. Uh, they, they does do a lot of like, um, folksy, like yeah. yeah. So like if you like any kind of like folky horror, like true kind of stories, or like or Bigfoot, and then they they go and they talk oh, to people that are into it, and yeah, and they'll do like some okay, I mean, and stuff. But I yeah, actually, that crosses over with our found footage, in my opinion, because it is you know semi real, like. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a verisimilitude going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did one. So it's about the Bell Witch, and I I do a voiceover in it, and I'm actually like I was grew up with well kind of grew up with and then became really really good friends with one of the guys in the crew um who's one of the uh, i don't know how much he produced this last one but he and i are best friends um so yeah so I, i've been wanting to do one for them for a while and we just made it happen during lockdown so that was fun um so you'll get to hear my who, voice who's your that. best friend what's that who's oh your uh, best friend on his, the crew? oh his name is jason Udis. Okay, yeah, I don't know him. Out, so out here yeah. in the Bay Area, we have a ton of film fest, and our buddy Kai over at the Balboa Theater, he's done Bigfoot Fest two years in a row, and I believe uh, they've he's shown films from them both years. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah so we're, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, the, cool. that'll probably yeah. be out soon. Watch. But yeah, I had a lot of fun doing awesome. it. So were you doing a voiceover for like a Bigfoot, or were you narrating? <laughs> no, no, I was narrating <laughs> just. Um, so they do interviews, obviously, and then they have like some other people reading excerpts from things. But I was doing um, Martin Van Buren wrote the book about the Bell Witch and I was reading from his book. Um, I do um, a General Andrew Jackson voice. I don't know if they're going to keep it in there. Um, I did oh. a series of it for him. Um, and then like the last one was super silly, but we'll see what he picks. Yeah, I think I've I've met Seth Breedlove out here a couple of times. Oh, so, this yeah. is Seth stuff. Yeah, 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 we know him. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this rules. I'm so excited to watch see, this. See, I would have never known you were in that unless you told me. I'm sure you got the comedian uh, or the chameleon thing going here, too. I mean, you pop up in fucking the Mothman legacy. Is that what we're talking about? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's done the, the Mothman ones, yeah. But I okay. didn't, I wasn't, no, this is my first one with him, but that's the same guy, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I know we went right. on a tangent Can we let there. Lauren go, please? We named it to Joey Hour. It's never been. I'm going to go order my pizza because I'm not cooking tonight. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, Lauren, thanks again. Lauren, we love you. Thank you for uh, taking the time, and I hope you didn't regret this too quick. Oh, no, never. You guys are great. I'm really happy about speaking to you, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll do it again. Should I, okay. should I make thanks, a... Lauren. Should I make a queep sound before?